Recorded live.
context of white supremacy, Gus T. Renegade Justice in for another program, hopefully to share constructive information on the system of racism, white supremacy. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Today's date, Sunday, December 25th, 2011. Uh, thank you again, everybody, for tuning into the program. I hope it is a constructive investment of your Sunday afternoon. I know a lot of folks out there are uh, participating in the madness uh, that is going on today. I hope those of you who are less confused uh, are finding something more constructive to do with your time. Uh, we are still at war. Do not be confused about that at all. Um, anybody out there, if you have... Um, had the misfortune of spending any of your time uh, in front of a television set, uh, I was surprised because they normally have on a lot of foolishness, parades and sporting events and what have you. Uh, they actually had uh, a special on. It was about black football players. And, of course, the dominant theme, white terrorism. Uh, they had Jim Brown and uh, even one of our former guests, uh, on the program, uh, were sharing their views about the long history of racism uh, in professional sports. Uh, Muhammad Ali was on, Jim Brown was on. Uh, it, I mean, it was very surprising. I, I was stunned to see them doing a, a major special on their history of tacky and trifling terrorism against black people uh, on this day. But, hey, that is what it is, racism, white supremacy, every day, all day. That is why we are here. Uh, our guest for the program, always a pleasure to have him uh, visit us and share views, constructive, life-saving information. Uh, I just wanted to start with the definition. I think that's fitting. We always paying attention to words and their importance. Uh, the definition for serious, uh, an adjective of a person, solemn or thoughtful in character or manner, of a subject, state, or activity, Demanding careful consideration or application of thought or discussion, careful or profound, acting or speaking sincerely and in earnest rather than in a joking or half-hearted manner. I want to actually read that one one more time just for it to stick. Acting or speaking Sincerely and in earnest, rather than in a joking or half-hearted manner. Third definition, significant or worrying because of possible danger or risk, not slight or negligible. And the last one, uh, substantial in terms of size, number, or quality. These are the different definitions for the term serious, and I think our guest for today's broadcast um, really sets the standard for black people about being serious about the greatest problem in the universe, uh, speaking sincerely and in earnest rather than in a joking or half-hearted manner about a permanent resolution to the problem, white people. Uh, we will do the sound clip and proceed. Our people are very serious about not being very serious. Meanwhile, 
white people are very serious about playing hardball against us. And this hardball is called genocide. Please visit the website, uh, KamalCambon.org. KamalCambon.org. You can get lots of information about his publications, different books, um, what he's going to be doing, upcoming events, and what have you. Lots of great info, and you can support. He has uh, his invest button on the site. You can support uh, his efforts to get a once-and-for-all permanent solution to the problem of white terrorism worldwide. Uh, always a profound honor to have him on the program. I know tons of people out there were uh, ecstatic when they found out he was going to be visiting us today. Uh, joining us live for the fourth time, our guest, uh, Dr. Kamal Kambon. Uh, Dr. Kambon, are you with us? Yes, uh, Black Liberation. I'm on speaker. Is it okay? Can you hear me all right? Uh, how about you uh, give us a sentence or two, and that way I can hear if your volume is okay. I greet you with the famous words of Black Liberation, and the full statement is Black Liberation gets us from under white terror domination. I think that should be fine. Um, at least for me it's fine. If any of you out there... Uh, who are listening uh, in the chat room. If the volume is okay, you can let me know. If anybody, if you're having a problem, the folks who are in the chat room want to talk to you. If uh, Dr. Cambon's uh, volume is too low, just let me know, and uh, we'll ask him to speak up. But it seems, you seem fine right now to me, Dr. Cambon. Okay, great. Uh, thank you so a, much for... It's an honor, and I'm really humbled to be able to spend some of my lifetime with you in particular, Brother Gus, and those who are listening, feel very because I don't have an opportunity necessarily to talk many, many because many do not have the ability to hear a wonderful poem by Brother Listabelt Middleton, who is now uh, an ancestor, a venerated ancestor. He was out of Columbia, South Carolina, and had a television program entitled For the People. He wrote a fabulous poem. wish I could commit it to memory, but part of it says, he's talking to the children, and he says, Understand, understand what you hear and know what you see. Many of our people do not are not able to see. They certainly don't have the ability to hear because, as I mentioned last time, our people invented the expression, I ain't trying to hear it. Nonetheless, I am pleased to be with you today. Again, as I said, the pleasure is ours. Um, for uh, our listeners, I think it would be fitting. Um, I know <laughs> when I asked you about being a guest on the program today, you said, oh, man, uh, you, you're interrupting my, my football and, and uh, my presence and getting my eggnog <laughs> and everything. Uh, if you could share with our listeners how long uh, it's been since you've participated in any of this madness and why you made the decision to desist 
with participating in any, I think, what you call them, horror games. It actually, uh, I did a program the other night, and a brother asked me an interesting question. He asked me what uh, what people influenced me. thought about it. I really was, was not influenced by anyone. I can't say, I can't point to a scholar or anyone in the community that, that counseled me. I just merely started to think. I mean, I always was a thinker. Went downtown. This was in the late, it was probably in the early 70s, 1971, 72, somewhere around there. And I went downtown to shop for, the, for Christmas. And when I got off the bus, there were thousands of brothers and sisters scurrying around and packages. When I looked at that, I said to myself, this does not make any sense. And I walked across the street and got back on another bus. I went home. I announced that I was not celebrating any holidays. When I thought about it, and I looked around in the community, and the community was run down, winos all over the place, and I would have to go into debt, spending money I knew I didn't have. I, at that time, I did not have a credit card. But it didn't make sense, so I didn't do it. I want to tell you a story. I didn't conveyed a story before, but I was a real good athlete. And uh, one night, I was I was kind of hanging out. This was after I finished college. And I was at a club. I like jazz. I was at a club. And I picked up a cigarette. Smoked a cigarette. I looked at that cigarette. And I said to myself, smoking this makes no at all. And this is what I said to myself. I was not born doing this. And I put that stupid cigarette down, and I refused to smoke a cigarette. And so at this stage in my life, I tried to be as natural as possible. Of course, no alcohol. This is like 40 years. No alcohol, no drugs. I'm not addicted to any foods. I try to be as natural as possible. I stopped celebrating Christmas. Then, of course, all the other horror days, as I now call them, just nullified. I didn't deal with any of those. Uh, Thanksgiving, and then when I started to do the research, there's a brother who is now in prison, uh, Malachi York. Call them Dr. Malachi Z. York. And even in, and I used to pick up material, and it was like when you're, I think when you come to this planet, some things are sent to you. I talk about on the paradigm feedback and feedback slash messages. And we're always getting messages, but as I said in the paradigm, we become feedback illiterate. We can't read the feedback, we don't understand it. We don't recognize the messages that we're getting. But I used to pick up Dr. York's material. I don't know how I got them. I don't know how they got in my hands. But he had a book on Halloween. 
had one on Valentine's Day, just a little pamphlet. I read those pamphlets, and I decided I wasn't going to deal with any holidays. Then later on, of course, I'll tell you about two wonderful books. One is by Dr. Barra Shango, B-A-R-A-S-A-N-G-O. His first name is Aishaka Musa Barra Shango. His book, African People and European Holidays, A Mental Genocide, Volume 1 and Volume 2. Then uh, his other book, especially for brothers and sisters to read. I was going to say, especially for brothers, but sisters need to read his book, African Woman, The Original Guardian Angel. Man, I read that book, and I had just such elevated appreciation for, for, for sisters after reading that book. So those are two of his books, African People and European Holidays, A Mental Genocide, Volume 1 and Volume 2, and then The African Woman, The Original Guardian Angel. Then it was years later I came across Dr. Jack Felder, F-E-L-D-E-R, and he has, has a little series of books dealing with each of the holidays. One is Should African People Celebrate X Mess, M-E-S-S, he has one on Valentine's Day, one on should African people celebrate the 4th of July, Halloween. He goes through about four or five of the, of the other horror days. And they're very good little books, and they, he gives the history of the origin of these horror days and how they came about. It's been a very long time since I've participated in any of that. Now, I said to you last time, I don't have a television. I don't have a cell phone, MP3. I used to drive an old Datsun until that broke down. Then I had a 90 Toyota Camry. I was not buying a new car and investing in, in the white terrorists. I made up my mind, and I know it was around 1973, 1974, I learned that the white people wanted to kill us. That's K-I-L-L. They wanted to kill us. Now, here I am working with the white dominators. I had two, actually, I had three master's degrees. I was working on a doctorate degree. I was a nice brother, and I said, wow, man, I'm checking these people out, and I had one crystallizing experience. I had that experience. First hand, eyeball to eyeball, I said, hey, man, this is the same old game. That's when I changed. I changed my name. I changed my diet. Uh, I read a powerful book. I mention it all the time, Survival into the 21st Century. And that book opened my eyes about the biological chemical warfare coming to us through the food, and so I think it was a progression of learning. I got on this search about getting correct information. I started reading the newspapers, pamphlets, books. I didn't go to very many lectures, but I just all this material started to come to me, 
It was like I became magnetized. I had the Willie Lynch letter, I think it was in the 70s or the 80s. I thought, well, everybody knew about that. And it wasn't until the late 90s when this letter reemerged and everybody started talking about that. I knew about that years ago. And there was a letter that I had, and I think it was Ian Smith or Botha. I'm not sure who, but it came out of South Africa where this he assembled his parliament, and he was telling them how they were going to kill the Africans, kill them in the hospital, the babies when they're born, crush their heads when they're born, suffocate them when they're born in the hospitals. And he went through this whole scenario. And I got the message. I think Bob Marley has a side, and I'm trying to get my message to you. That's what I'm trying to do. And basically, when I came face-to-face with the white terrorists, implicit in our nonverbal communication, it came across from the white terrorists that this, that terrorists were saying to me, okay, Now, you know what we want to do to black people. You go out and you try to convince them that we are going to exterminate them, and you will spend your whole life trying to convince them, and you'll never achieve your goal. That was basically communicated to me non-verbally much like the invasion of the body snatchers, where the guy's running around, realizes that something is is not right, or the film, the science fiction, They Live, where when you put on the glasses, now you can really see the alien. So it started economically, then I worked my way through the holidays, changed my diet, I always kept up on information, but I dropped out in terms of putting the whole thing together because I was so busy with, I was so busy being a slave, teaching at the black college, putting in all kind of time, never took a day off. When I left that school after teaching for 18 years, I had never taken a vacation day. I had never been out sick. And I went to the assistant personnel, and she, and she ran it down. She said, oh, you got all these days, all this sick time, and I lost all of that. But that's how devoted I was. I would work during the, during the so-called holidays, the summertime. I was in the Department of Education. I worked all the time. When people weren't there, I was there working. So um, it goes back to this thing about the holidays. I really don't even want to spend my time, waste my time talking about this. Our people are so so up-to-date, cosmopolitan, so hip, so fly, so modern. These whiteys are still running this game on us. There's a tape by this white guy, Dr. Deagle, D-E-A-G-L-E. The tape is entitled Connecting the Dots. On this DVD, he is talking to a group of white people, and he's saying that 
the U.S. government, that there's a shadow government, that they have underground cities, I think out in Arizona, they got these underground cities, they're storing food, there's a seed bank, if you go online, you can see that there is a, I think it's like an international seed bank, where they have all the seeds on the planet stored in the seed bank in case a calamity happens, then at least they will have seeds to, to come back and grow food. So he's talking to these white people, and he's breaking all this down. Oh, they're doing this, they're doing that. They got the arsenal ready, and the, the government, they're going to go underground. They're going to be able to live underground. And he says to the audience, he says, now listen, I've been, I've been talking to you all about this for a long time. At the end of his lecture to them, he says, and if you all don't get prepared, he went on to say, you deserve what you get. I'm talking to, I'm talking to our people. Try to be cool because I know our people are very, very fragile emotionally, psychologically. They can't take too much knowledge. And trying to give them this information in a cool and calm way. A lot of them don't want to hear it. So anyway, that's my piece on the holidays and part of uh, uh, my background. Then I talked about the that it's about, in part, concepts. That the white dominators implant these concepts and their concepts that force us to come to incorrect conclusions. I was doing a lot of research. I don't do as much now. Eyes are not great as a result of writing 16 books and you know reading all this information over the years. But there was an ad on the radio for Panera Bread, which is big in this area. I came across a little article that the vice president of Panera Bread is the vice president of concepts. That's fascinating. Concepts, because they realize that if you can implant a concept in a person, maybe through a song or through a rhyme, then you can put the person under psychological lockdown. And this is how I spell psychological. S-Y-C-H-O-I-L-L-L-O-G-I-C, psych illogic. And a lot of our people have illogic, means that we've come to incorrect conclusions. Today is this so-called X-Myth. This is based based on mythological, that's M-Y-T-H dash I-L-L dash L-O-G-I-C, myth-ill-logic. And our people created, we're illing, yeah, we're illing and we're chilling. Yeah, I know we're illing and we're chilling. We're doing more illing and chilling, and we're going to be off the planet illing and chilling. That's my little piece on these so-called horror days. But you can pick up on those books if you're still interested. I wouldn't even waste my time reading about that garbage. About It's a big scam. America itself 
is a big scam. First of all, there's a difference between America and the USA. USA is a corporation. This man that's in the White House now is the president of the USA Corporation, and that's why he gives every year or so a State of the Union address to the members of the corporation, to the stockholders in the corporation. So there's a difference between America and There are several books out. One is a very interesting book, The Circle of Intrigue. I think it's um, Mar, it's a M-A-R-R is the last name. There are two. One is a text Mar, and there's another one. I don't believe that they are related, but there's a circle of intrigue. There's a book entitled The Immaculate Deception, The Bush Crime Family. Go online, you might find a company titled Global Insight. They publish all of these books that you never see in Stupid Barnes and Noble and Books a Million. Those places are jokes. Those are those novels. That stuff is garbage for the people that don't know what time it is. So that's a little introduction, brother. Context of white supremacy. I had two uh, folks who are listening in. They said the the volume is a little low. Um, do you think uh, it would be possible to uh, either if you could speak up a little bit, or uh, you said you're on speaker now, so. Could you uh, maybe get a little closer you to may the? You may have to back. Okay. Um, yes, do you want me? You want, let's see. Do you want me to uh, ring you back at this number? Like I can dial yes, you right back yes. and see if that. Okay. I'll uh, I'll hang up and dial you right back. Okay. Thank you all for the feedback. Uh, I will. Shouldn't take me more than 30 seconds, hopefully. I'm back on the line here. We'll be back, actually, now that I'm dialing. We have two broadcasts today. Broadcast number two will be at 9 p.m. Eastern, uh, 6 p.m. Uh, Pacific. Uh, Brother Dawa will be joining us for broadcast number two. Okay, Dr. Kimbon, are you with uh, Yes. Is that any better? Oh. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay. Um, I was on okay. speaker before, and I couldn't get that volume up. Okay. Uh, I hope this is better for the folks listening in. Uh should be good now. If you all have any other problems, you can shoot me an email or just write it uh, in the chat room for folks who are listening in. Okay. Um, I'm going to try and uh, get to some of the books as well as uh, if folks who are dialed in, if you all have any questions, uh, if you would like to call, uh, the number to dial is 760-569-7676. No, yes, I'm listening. Uh-huh. Well, yes, the same thing that I was doing online, except I'm doing it on the phone. I just freed up oh. the computer so that you can use it if you needed to. Oh, Hello. Somebody. Sorry about that. That was uh, oh. a caller's line got opened accidentally. I think I, okay. I think my hand just slipped accidentally. Sorry okay. about that. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, anyone, if you 
are interested in dialing in with a question, 760-569-7676, and the code is 564-943-TOWN. Um, I will, and if you dial that line, if you have a question, press star six. Um, that'll put your hand up. I know you have a question. If you're on the talk shoe line, it's star eight. If you have a question, uh, I want to try to uh, give you an opportunity to to let people give them a little bit more information about some of the books that you have published. As you said earlier, 16 books that you've already written. Uh, before I hop to that, I also want to give Justice an opportunity to get some questions in as well. Uh, okay. Justice, if you have some some uh, questions for Dr. Cambon, your line should be open. Uh, proceed. Uh, <clears throat> well, first, can I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Okay, uh, greetings, uh, Dr. Cambon. Uh, uh, I heard you say that. Hi. <laughs> um, I heard uh, you say that white people are the only niggers on the planet and that non-white people are imitation niggers. Uh, yeah. What definition do you use for the term nigger? And can you please explain why white people are the only niggers on the planet? Uh, there is in psychology, I'm sure as Dr. Welsing has pointed out many times, the concept of projection. Projection is where a person projects his or her personal negative characteristics onto someone else. A person who is projecting might put blame on someone else for their own inadequacies. Uh, consequently, the, from what I could uncover, the first person to use that word, nigger, was a white person. And to me, my definition is to be a nigger is someone who has the power to destroy the earth, to pollute the water, to dump chemicals in the ocean, to go whaling and kill whales that are already an endangered species. They will put fluoride, knowing that it's lethal, into toothpaste. They will put mercury into the uh, into uh, amalgams or fillings to put them into a person's mouth. All of these things they do to destroy. Their whole M.O. is death. That is what I call a nigger. So a nigger is anyone that you will bring your beautiful children to a school to have your child so-called educated and put your child in the hands of a white female teacher and that white female teacher moves on to destroy your child emotionally, intellectually, to cripple your child spiritually. A person who has this kind of access and power to destroy is a nigger. So when you look in the papers and you hear something terrible that has happened, 
Susan Smith kills her children and blames it on a black man. That's a nigger. Charles Stewart in Boston kills his pregnant wife for the insurance money and says a black man did it. That is a nigger. And the list goes on and on. The the two females that had the beef with the white guy I talked about last time, they killed him and cut him up and ate him. That is only a nigger would do that. So when you hear of these crimes, of this deep pathology, only a nigger has, will be able to do that. And then they project a Jeffrey Dahmer's. That's a nigger who, who lures people, black people, into his cave and and kills them and cuts them up and puts them in the refrigerator. There's a tape I have I mentioned before, Iceman Inheritance, about this guy who was working for the syndicate where he would cut up people with a chainsaw. And one incident where he put the guy, he cut him up with a chainsaw and put him in a barrel and left him in front of a bar and drove by every day. That's That constitutes to me a nigger. So these crimes, this pathology, when the white dominators went into Panama, if you see the film Panama Deception, where they killed, I think, about 30,000 Panamanians, and they brought in these new lethal weapons. They said that there was one weapon where they shot at this guy, and the guy's skin just melted around him. Another guy, they, they shot him, and they cut him in half. So they were trying out these new weapons. This is what a nigger is. And I hope that our people can finally get that straight. Recently, this guy, Common, put together this piece with Maya Angelou. And she, I haven't heard it yet, but she's supposed to be running this thing and poem. And at the end of it, he says, nigger, or my niggers or something. I wish these guys would get this thing straight, that, that African people, black people, are not niggers. And Richard Pryor, if you get his his performance live on Sunset Strip, he used to use that all the time in his dialogue. But he said, man, he went to Africa, and the the pilot on the plane was African. The, when he got there, the government was run by Africans. The hotels and, and the restaurants, everything was African. He said, and he realized, he said, you know, I don't, I don't see any niggers here. And he got back here, and he told the audience, he said, I'm not saying this to be funny. He said, but I'm, I, don't, I didn't see any niggers in Africa, and I'm going to take that word out of my routine starting now. So I wish these young brothers especially, you need to take that word and apply it where it goes to these damn white people. They are the only niggas on the planet, the male and the female. That's who they are. If you go online and you look at this, Coulter is her name. She is a demon. So that is, that's who they are. 
and they have projected this on us. And since we don't read, we're not up on it, but we're so hip and slick and fly and modern, the whitey just tricked you, tricked these young guys. They say, oh, man, this is, oh man, you got all these degrees. You don't know what's up. I say, yo, man, let me tell you what's up. There's no generation gap. There's an information gap. You don't know what time it is. You better get on it or you're going to be in prison or, or in the ground. That's what's up. You better start listening and learning and reading. Or if you don't know how to read, you better learn how to read and get some real messages. I get all these young brothers and sisters calling me, oh, we got an urban novel. And I said, you take that crap. You're spending all that money and time and paper to write about that garbage. You write about something that's going to get us free from under these white dominators. That's what you should be writing about. Your whole life should be devoted to getting, trying to get us liberated from this madness that we are involved in. And stop wasting our time on garbage and praying and Jesus and Jah and all of this other stuff that we get into because we're afraid to face the reality that we're at a we're in a war for our lives. And if we don't get it straight, they're gonna wax us. Do we understand that? I, apparently not. So that's my answer. They are the only ones on the planet, and I stick by that. Okay. Um, now, is there any other questions you have, Princess? Yes. Um, I believe you. Uh, well, in one of your video. Well, I believe you said this in one of your videos that uh, the most important question to you is why. Um, can you please go into more detail of why the most important uh, question to you is why? Uh, yes, I think that is one of the one of the key questions. I remember when you look at little children, when you especially our children. Uh, Baba Asa Hilliard gives a brilliant lecture on education and learning, and he says that uh, that uh, black children, when they are born, they are most of them are born with high level intelligence not only high-level intelligence, but they have greater dexterity, greater mobility than than all other children. And I I mentioned before that I met a brother, uh, Hamilton, who's a psychologist. This was, of course, everything was years ago. And he said that when he was doing research, he found out that over 50% of all black children who are born are born intellectually gifted. And when you're around little children, they'll always ask, well, why is this? Why is that? Why is, what is, going, what is this? Why is that? And then we kind of shush them, shush them. But we have to start getting back to why. Why are we doing this? Like I, I said, I had this cigarette on my hand. I looked at it. I said, this, why am I doing this? For what purpose? What will it achieve? So why? Why am I going to the mall? Why am I going to the concert? Why am I going into debt? Why do I like this alcohol? Why do I like reefer? 
why, why, why? This is the question that we have to ask. When somebody tells us something, we say, why? Don't just come and give me something and tell me, okay, do this. Why? Why should I do this? What is the purpose of it? What is the goal? What is the end game? What is the result? Somebody says, hey, man, uh, smoke this joint. Why? What's in it? What does it do? What will happen? What are the side effects? So why is a very, that's one of the important questions. There are many, but as adults, when I was teaching at the university, and I would talk, I would taught two courses. One was Introduction to African Civilization, and the other was Introduction to Black Studies. And oftentimes I would show a, a video clip, and I would ask the students, oh, what do you think of this? Well, why do you think that? And these are juniors, and these are pre-med students, pre-law students, you know, students that are good academically, I'll put it that way. And many of them would say to me, you are the only professor that ever asked me what I thought. And that's what I do. I, I, I try to get people to think, and I want us to engage in the process of thinking. And I'm always fascinated by how people come to their conclusions about things. Again, it comes down to why. You ask a cop, why are you stopping me? You ask the teacher, why are you giving me this assignment? Why should I celebrate this holiday? Why? Why is this politician trying to pass the National Defense Authorization Act? Why are they doing this? So to me, that is the that's in part the foundation upon which we start learning. So as our children get older, that curiosity, that's what it really is. Why talks about our curiosity, and as we get older, our curiosity is crushed. And we stop asking why. We just become zombies, what I call a borgs, B-O-R-G-S, or zoids. We become Cespulian Steins, just, we just go along with the program. I remember I went to this dinner for our student teachers. I'm sitting there, and the, the professor, the head of the natural science department, he says, well, Kanban, why aren't you eating? So I tried to be cool. I don't want to get into dialogue. There are about eight of us, six, eight of us around the table. He keeps sweating me about why I'm not eating. I said, listen, I don't eat out. That's my rule. I don't eat out. And especially in a place like this, you know, this this uh, hotel, I don't know who who's in the kitchen. I don't know what those people are doing back there. So I don't eat out. I, the woman comes to give me water. I don't drink the water. He says, well, come on, why? So I start breaking it down. I said, yo, let me tell you this. This meat, I run down a thing about the meat. 
uh, Leslie Stahl on 60 Minutes did a piece years ago on, she interviewed meat inspectors. And the meat inspectors are there saying, oh, we can't inspect the meat. It goes by too fast. And so-and-so, and then uh, then there was one on chicken. And, oh, the chicken is filthy. And they when they open the, they open the, the, the innards and the, the guts fall into the vat, and that becomes fecal soup. So, she, you know, all of these things are being, I'm breaking all this down to them. I said, and the tomatoes, well, tomatoes weren't genetically modified at that time. But to, tomatoes are not, got chemicals. Iceberg lettuce is bad for you. White bread is bad. I'm breaking all this down. This was, I think, on a Friday or Saturday. That Tuesday, he comes to me. He says, well, Kanban, after you talk to me, I went home and I threw all the canned food out and I'm throwing away all the meat. I said, hey, man, I got all the, I got this information here. It's right here. I got it on video. I got it in books. It's not like this is a secret. And so this is why um, it's important to always ask this question, why? Why are you going to church all the time and it doesn't produce anything? Why are you praying all the time and it doesn't produce anything? Why are you spending money you know you don't have? So why, why, why? It's a very important question. We got to get back to asking and examining everything. Anything that comes to you, you say why, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, why is uh, direct and indirect war. Uh, uh, okay, why is direct and indirect war uh, practice? Say that again. I'm not. I didn't hear. <clears throat> why is direct and indirect war practiced? Oh, why is direct and indirect war practiced? Yes. Uh, well, that's very interesting because just within the last week and a half, it was disclose that the that the US is involved with a covert war against Iran. There was a little story that came out several weeks ago about the ambassador uh in was assassinated in Saudi Arabia and Israel is really pumping up this idea about attacking Iran for these because of their nuclear weapon capability and et cetera. So they involve, they are engaged in a covert war. And there are all forms of war and it starts first through propaganda. That's that's indirect. Then of course there's there's the direct war. The US went into Iraq. That's direct war. So there are all forms of warfare. So I talk about the, when we talk about war, I say that there's war against African people in all these areas, psychological, cultural, economic, health, education, social, political. There's a very good film, by the way, and I'm talking about war, entitled The FBI's War Against Black America. 
I, I want to say is the FBI's secret war against black America. And the COINTELPRO is a good example of an indirect war, how the FBI, they were writing letters back and forth uh, to um, Kathleen Cleaver saying that Huey said this, et cetera, et cetera. So this is, and, and it was a, a lie that the FBI had manufactured these letters. A classic example is the the indirect war that the FBI waged against Malcolm X and Elijah Muhammad and said that they sent a letter to Malcolm saying Elijah's people are going to get you. Sent a letter to Elijah, Malcolm's people are going to get you. So all these were manufactured, you see. So this is part of the indirect war. The when there was the Cold War, so-called Cold War between the U.S. and Russia, they still had agents, so-called espionage agents, in the in the uh, in the U.S.S.R. and they had their agents here. So that's all part of spying, covert and overt warfare. It's direct and it's indirect, and in many instances it's through propaganda. And when you propagandize people, you implant these concepts, then uh, you're able to easily persuade people to go along with your with your program. So does that answer your question? Yes. Okay, and let me just add to that. Uh, and the the best indirect warfare is to wage a war against people and the people don't know that there's a war being waged against them. So you have to always have your antenna up. You always have to be on high alert to be able to spot the different ways that war comes to you. And if we are not alert, for example, there's a war with uh, fluorescent lights. Fluorescent lights are very, very bad for the eyes. And if people don't know that, that's a war against the people. So it's direct, indirect, and especially through propaganda. And if you go online, and I have it in, my, in one of my books, the various propaganda techniques that are used as instruments of war to implant lethal concepts in the minds of the people so that the people uh, become on automatic, remote control, self-destruct. And they don't even realize, R-E-A-L-E-Y-E-S, that they are under assault. How did uh, the confusion of non-white people start? How did the confusion start? Oh. Yes. Well, yeah, of non-white people, because, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, you're right. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's very hard to answer. Uh, How did it start? Well, I know that one thing, it starts with deception. 
And I think that the first liar on the planet had to be a white person. And it starts with people lying to each other and through rumor, through hearsay. And this is why I always say that I just mentioned about this indirect war and how the FBI wrote these uh, fake letters back and forth to members of the Panther Party. That's why I always say that if you have a problem with someone, you should go to the person directly and say, uh, you said this, or I understand this, not in a confrontational way, and make sure that the information that you have is accurate. And uh, many of us do this, and I have to practice not to do it, jumping to conclusions about something, about what somebody said. So I think the best way is to deal with the person and don't, I think Dr. Welsing, I know she talks about don't gossip, but don't go to, if, Justin, if you and I have a, a problem with one another, I'm not going to go to person number three and say, well, you know, Justice so-and-so, that, you don't do that. I come to you, and I say, well, you know, Justice, and we, and we get it straight. And this is, uh, this is the best way to do it. And sometimes it's difficult because it takes courage to be able to do that uh, to one another, you know, to sit down. And I think, and, and as far as men go, this is what I think men need to do. This, this is what men do. Men sit down and say, hey, so-and-so, you said this, and I didn't agree with it, boom, boom. And then we get it straight. But we don't fall out over it, not because we're in war and we need each other as allies. And so this is the, this confusion, then it just escalates. And it, it escalates, so it's a problem. And we don't really even remember how it started. So I can't answer when it started, but I know that when you go back to ancient Kemet and we started uh, and the invaders came in, the Hyksos, the the Persians, the the um, the Assyrians, when they all came in and started to infiltrate the structure of the of the rule, as they infiltrated, then this is where a lot of this madness started. This is where the jealousy started. And then, as you know, we became enslaved, then the white dominators would spread lies among one another, among the Africans. And so it just then it manifested. So I think that one of the ways to counter this confusion is I think that my philosophy is this. I think we have to drop everything that we're doing, all these different groups that we're in, all of these religions and fraternities and sorority. we got to drop all of that because it's, those things are irrelevant. And we have to get down to what I call our core selves. It's like a psychologist. When a psychologist is, uh, is in a trial defending someone and – good example is 
was this incident where this psychologist was watching the news one time and he saw this so-called Indian, you know, I call them homegrown organic people. He was on trial for shooting and killing someone. Psychologist saw this guy. As soon as he saw him, he, he went to the he went to the jail and he said he wanted to represent this this uh, Indian, so-called Indian. And as they got deeper into the trial, the psychologist said that this person was not responsible for for getting up and walking across the street and shooting, walking into a store and shooting the store owner because his mother suffered from, uh, was an alcoholic on the reservation. And this person that he's representing suffered from fetal alcohol syndrome. The psychologist was able to go back and unravel this person's life and identify the moment when this alcohol, this fetal alcohol syndrome affected this person's ability to reason and think. If you remember the movie, The Terminator, and I think it was The Terminator, where this entity took all these different forms. And when at the end of the movie it fell into a vat, and as it was dying, it went back from this from the, this last form to the one before that, 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 to the original form. And that's what we have to do. We have to unravel all of this madness and confusion that embroils us in controversy all the time. And that's why I said we have to drop all of that and get back to our core selves. We have to be naked and drop all that, and now we say, okay, now what can we engage in that is going to engage us in the process of liberation from under white domination? Because all those things that we are doing now, up to right this moment, have not produced liberation. That's why I say that these things, I nullify all of them, or most of them. Let me say most of them, because they haven't produced what we're trying to get. And um, I hope that answers your question. It does. Um, I was, well, just to hear uh, your views uh, on this question. Um, if a uh, confused black person uh, said uh, to you that racism, uh, white supremacy will be gone um, uh, over time, uh, what would your response be, and how would you uh, react to what that black person said? Uh, it, it really depends on who it is. Um, first of all, our people are very sick people. They're emotionally sick. They're psychologically sick. They are sick. They are mentally ill. You, and, and this is, I'm not saying it to really put the people down, but you have to be mentally ill in this cesspool that we are in. And before I answer a person, usually I, I have to always try to remember to do this. I have to ask them what they 
a brother said to me a couple of months ago, well, oh, I don't agree. I didn't even respond to the brother because I know he hasn't read anything. So first I understand that that our, pers- our people are mentally ill. That's why I recommend the book, Self-Healing Power in Therapy, by uh, Baba Fukiao. He also has a book out, African Cosmology. So African uh, self-healing power and therapy that we have to begin to heal, first recognize that we're sick. Go and look in the mirror and say, I am really mentally ill. I am sick. I need help. That's what everybody should do. And one way, I'll talk about that later, but it depends. Now, the person says it'll be gone tomorrow. They'll be gone before that's gone. If if they don't get themselves together, if they're committing subtle suicide, they'll never see it gone. So first thing I want to know, name five top black psychologists. Name five top black historians. Name five top black educators. Tell me the last five books you read. And you can't do that, don't come to me. You go you go somewhere else because I'm not going back to kindergarten. You go somewhere else and then you get all that together. Then you come and you see me. I, I want inter, to uh, interject this. Uh, I had a brother call me Thursday, 35 years old, and he grew up with uh, my young people. And he said, man, I remember coming coming there, and he said, one of the things I always remember, now he was about seven at the time, seven or eight, I guess, nine. He said, I remember you all didn't even have a TV. Man, I said, man, these people are crazy. They don't have a TV. Now, he's 35. He, he called me, right? He said, man, I'm going through something with the white dominators, and now I remember you all had African names. You didn't celebrate any holidays. You were a vegetarian. I told him, I said, yeah, let me tell you something, man. I said, we were 35 years ahead of most of the, most of the brothers and sisters. He said, yeah, you're right, man. You were, you were a little ahead of them. So, but it's, it's knowledge. It's not that we're smart. It's, it's getting the information, being able to absorb the information, and respond appropriately to the information. So somebody like that, it depends on who they are where they are in terms of their own mentality, and if I don't believe that they are really on the on the path, I'd send them to some books. You go and read some books first, then you can come back to me. Okay? Um, I do have more questions, but uh, I'm going to let the listeners and Gus get some uh, more uh, uh uh, some more um, questions in, and yeah, and yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And thank right, you very great. much. Okay, thank you. Context of white supremacy. Um, want to uh, give Dr. Cambon an opportunity to share, uh, give like a summary of some of the books that he's written. I encourage folks to uh, support his different publications. Uh, you can visit his website. KamalCambon.org. I'll spell that out for folks. Uh, K A 
M A U K A M B O N dot O R G Kamal Cambon dot O R G. Visit the website, uh, see the titles of the books he's written. As I said, you can get other information, uh, events that he's going to be participating in, uh, as well as investing in his efforts to uh, get a final resolution to the problem of worldwide white terrorism. Um, some of the books that you've written, let's see, I'll start with this one because I, I just think this one is really important. Um, tips on quick and easy ways Africans can commit subtle suicide. Um, any thoughts you would like to share with our listeners about that particular book? Yeah, that um, I was thinking about it. I wrote that book, and it really spoke to me reverse psychology. But the idea was that I think I was pissed off at black people at the time. And I said, look, you brothers and sisters are really messing up. And if you're going to be on this team for us to win, you have to do the right thing. But if you insist on doing things that are going to block us from achieving our goal, then let me give you some tips on how to accelerate your own demise. So, so if you want to smoke cigarettes, instead of smoking five cigarettes a day, smoke ten packs a day. Instead of drinking a pint of alcohol, drink ten gallons of alcohol, but get out of the way and clear out of the way so that we can we can field a team that can help us win in this war that we are in. And I think that's one of the books. I also amplified the idea of we have these different selves, S-E-L-V-E-S. And then in that book in particular, I put news articles in, which, uh, for example, I remember there's an article, I think, in that book about uh, excess deaths by Dr. Thomas Malone from the CDC, and at that time he said 60,000 black people die every year that don't have to die, and he listed the reasons why we die. So I was hoping that men maybe doing this in reverse might have an effect on people. I was thinking about it last night. Dr. Ben has a book entitled, and his birthday is December 31st. I think there's going to be a big event honoring Dr. Ben uh, in in New York City in the Bronx. So we want to try to tap into that information and support Dr. Ben. His book is entitled From From African Captives to Insane Slaves. And I was thinking about it. I think he was probably very upset with our people when he wrote that book. And tips on subtle suicide, I think I was in the same frame of mind being very upset with the self-destruction that was going on among our people. Uh, For folks, if you are listening in and you want to get some of these titles, um, you can visit bbtumikasa.com and you can get uh, an e-book uh, of several of these titles. I put the link in the chat room just now, uh, com. The link is in the chat room. You just click it, go there if you want to get some of these titles uh, in ebook format. Um, this is uh, a three-parter 
Um, and I think this is extremely important. I know I've shared with you before, Dr. Cambon, that my parents, they didn't really give me uh, any information about white terrorism, racism, white supremacy. Um, I suspect they're highly victimized and that they don't know very much uh, about racism, white supremacy in detail. Uh, your right. three-part series, you should be ashamed of your duped parents. Uh, can right. you break some of that down for us? Uh, I think that's a... Uh, it really talks about that our parents and our uh, mostly mostly our parents have been tricked by the white dominators, and I and I say that not to put our parents and grandparents down. It's that we have to keep in mind we're fighting against scientists. I mean, people who sit down in rooms and think about how they are going to trick people and. They're very scientific about their approach. You know, they study that they study us. There's a book by I think it's Tyrone Power. The something about the, he was a former FBI agent. I think it's Eyes to My Soul. I don't remember the exact title, but in it he talked about. I got an interview that he did. He said the FBI they sit down and they have a whole profile of the mentality of black people, and they know how they're going to act and react because they set up these scenarios like an experiment. So we have been tricked. You know, they trick us in school with the concepts of justice, democracy, fair play, equal justice. We grow up thinking that that's real. And duped parents, it really goes from A to Z. I have so much information. Uh, part one is, I think, about 105 pages. But part two is 330-something uh, pages. I have pictures and color dealing with so many different topics. You can open the book at any page and learn something that will really help you. And I have websites that people can go to. Uh, for example, I mentioned, I like to mention this letter by Swinton. I think it's in that book where he talks about the journalists and the journalists and news writers. They don't have any heart because if they told the truth, they know they, they would be out of a job the next day. I think I have the Banking Act of 1933 in there where this uh, congressman, I think, stands up and he gives this profound speech about America has officially collapsed economically, and that's why the U.S. got off the gold standard. So I have from A to Z political prisoners. Um, just, I mean, it's just, oh, I, I can't explain it. It's just so much information. And all my books are like that. And as I said, you can open up any page, and you could get correct life-saving information. And I look at things two ways, external, meaning the white dominators, the system, and then the white people. That's external to us. And then internal, meaning what's going on in our community and what's happening with us as individuals. And so that's how I break the world up, external and internal. And this deals with all of those internal and external activities that affect us. Uh, I deal with black political prisoners. I have a real good article in one of those Duke Parents books 
where it talks about uh, this uh, General Amherst and this issue about whether the white dominators gave smallpox to the homegrown organic people called the Indians. And in it, it, it has this, I think it's, it's a transcript where one of the homegrown organics was saying that he saw that all his people were dying from this mysterious ailment. And he went on to say that they felt that they were being punished by the great spirit because they didn't do something right. And I, I took that, I said, wow, this is very fascinating that they thought that it was the great spirit that was punishing them, when in fact it was this the, the diseases by the white people that were really killing them. And it's interesting to me that the homegrown organics and Africans believe so much in the, the spirits and the creator. My son points out very astutely that we equate or we should not equate this word God, which means giver of death, with African deities like Oladumare or uh, Onyame. And, but the people that have won their battles against the white dominators, I don't hear them talking. I don't hear them having to have to dance and drum before they go in to fight you know, the battle. One film in particular is The Battle of Algiers, which is a very powerful film. The other one is What the Vietnamese Did. You don't hear them talking about these about these same things. They, I'm not saying that they don't do those. They don't believe in anything. But they, it's not so prominent that it just consumes them and distracts their currency or their energy from the work at hand. So that's... Um, that's two parents, one and two. And I, I mean, I really suggest it uh, because it's, they're, they're just good books. And there are no books like that on planet Earth. I, I have not read all of your titles, but I have read several, and uh, I would co-sign on that immediately. I'm <laughs> not going to find writing like this uh, anyplace else, in my opinion. Um Let's see, this, this one is uh, analyzing the global landscape, the African okay. end game. Right, right. Um, it's similar. It's about 300 pages, and it has a continuation of all kind of information, economic, psychological, political, and all my books are like that. Uh, Duke's Parents, 1, 2, The Blackest Book, 1, Blackest Book, 2, uh, Messages from the Ancestors, uh, the global. I have another one that was out. I had to pull it back to make some corrections on it. But all of my books are, uh, follow this format, where I will uh, take an issue or a problem. For example, I think in the global book there was the research that came out not too long ago about alcohol. This was the study done out of Australia that uh, alcohol causes cancer. Even alcohol consumption in moderation will cause cancer. Beer, which is, I think, 2.3% alcohol over time, also will cause cancer.
alcohol destroys brain cells, destroys liver cells. End of story. I think in one of the books I have a, a segment on marijuana and the, the deleterious effects of marijuana. So it deals with all the different areas. It's not confined to one area since we're fighting on all fronts and we're being attacked on all fronts. My books deal deal with all of these different issues, psychological, cultural, economic, uh, to some extent political. Marcus Garvey said everything is political and uh, social. And it tries, it brings... Uh, And it brings a great clarity and understanding to uh, the things that we should, I think, be un- trying to be understand, you know, try to understand. And one thing my books do, they force us into a, a conceptual corner and force us to come to conclusions. So on the paradigm, that we talked about in one of our earlier sessions, genocide, democide, subtle suicide. Uh, Under black liberation, one of the key elements, I think one of the first elements, is that we have to learn to come to conclusions about what we are doing and what we have done. In other words, has has what we've done produced anything, or what has it produced? Now, I know some may not dig this, but I was thinking about these Kwanzaa celebrations that get ready to kick off. And in this area, there are some Kwanzaa celebrations. I'm not going to any one of them because they've been co-opted. They're real bogus. The people that are running them are, are jive people. I say that because when we did Kwanzaa, which my family started in the 70s, adhering to the principles, we practiced the principles, we lived the principles. Umoja, Kujijagalia, Ujima, Ujima. We, we practiced them all the time. Where we shop, what we do, all the time we practiced those. But a lot of these fake brothers and sisters, they come together during Kwanzaa and pretend like they've really done something. And they haven't. And that's why they have made Kwanzaa a big joke. It's just, it's disgraceful. Because all year long they've been jiving, spending their money with white people, talking bad about each other, and backstabbing, lying, not taking care of their family properly, not taking care of themselves properly. And now they get together for a week and front like they really down. So that's why I wrote on the BB2 Mikasa a couple of years ago. I don't go to Kwanzaa because it, they haven't produced anything. So I maintain let's not keep doing something 10, 15, 20 years. It makes us feel good. But the question, what has it produced? In this area, there's a... Uh, women's empowerment. Thousands and thousands of sisters go to this empowerment. So we went the first couple of years, set up books, and I said at the end of, the, I think the second time, okay, now this is like the third women's empowerment. 
I think they're up to like 15 years or 17 years now. I said, but at the end of the first or second one, they said, okay, now these are our goals. We want to raise enough money that we can build our own convention center so we don't have to come to this white place. Or we want to uh, open up a, a incubator for small businesses to get started where we will all share uh, photocopy machines, Internet, et cetera. But they should list some four or five goals. And then the next year when they have women's empowerment, they say, okay, last year we said we were going to do this, 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 and this. This is Here's the report. This is what we achieved. But to have a perpetual women's empowerment, feel good, everybody get together, oh, that's wonderful, and not achieve anything, it's a waste of time. And all we're doing is supporting the white dominators, paying their mortgage for their civic center. So we better get serious. Um, so th- those are what my books deal with. We for- I force us, if they want to hear it, if they- people don't want to hear it, I'm cool with that. But, you know, just let me know you're not down with this, and you go and do what you're going to do, and you'll find out whether it's the truth or not. See, we all have an expiration date. We have a born date. We were born on such and such a day. We have an expiration date. And when we expire, they put the born date, then they put a dash expiration date. The question is, what did you do between born and expiration what does that dash represent? So now, I was thinking about it. That dash, for some of our people, like Ida B. Wells, I would go to her tombstone, and instead of that dash, I would put a perpendicular. I would make it a plus sign, and I would put right above the plus sign 100, plus to the 100th power. That's how powerful that system was. So I asked, what what sign are we going to put on your tombstone? Is it going to be a we could put a lot, a lot of brothers says we're going to put less than the less than sign, <laughs> or we could put the we could put the greater than sign. You see, so that's what my books deal with, man. I just I wrote these books. I, I say I, you know, I write them for me. I want to go back. I say, hey man, was I right or wrong? So far, man, I look at my books and say, wow. I got people calling me all the time. It's straight up. Man, you know what you said, so-and-so, and you were right. Man, if I had a dollar for every Negro that called me to tell me I was right about something, man, like them whiteies gave Mitt Romney. Talk about fundraising. $10 million in a weekend. $10 million in a weekend, as you heard me say before, white people put their money where their mouth is, and black people put their money where their minds are. Hater chips, jumbo TVs, movies, concerts, parties, gospel cruises. So, hey, like Dr. Deagle said, hey, you deserve what you get. Okay, so those are my books, and... I'm I'm really, I'm out of, well, I do have the last book. That book is not for everybody. I have copies of the Declaration. I don't have copies of any of the other books other than in e-book form. I'm looking for a printer that's trustworthy that can print my books so I can get them uh, back out. 
And uh, I also ask, brother, you know, my books are, uh, they're expensive, but compared to what? You know, I have a, I mentioned in one of our discussions, Jewel Pilgrim shows these books, $650, $675. I have a friend that bought a book. I think the book was $700. So, you know, I, and Dr. Clark tells a story. He was looking for a book, and he had to send somebody to D.C. to a real book place, and he was lamenting. He said, man, I had a chance to get the book for like $12 or $15. He said, now the book is like $150. We had a book in our store entitled uh, Africans Who Wrote the Bible. And it was like twenty nine ninety five. The book went out of print. I understand now the book is like two. Somebody called me. He said, oh, the book is $250 online. I wouldn't buy the book now because it's bogus. You know, Africans Who Wrote the Bible, you know, that's like a waste of time. But you get the books while they're available because, especially hard copy, try, you know, you could do digital. And I advise if you get my books, print them out. Take the time, print them out, go to to your job and get them printed out. And so you can always have a hard copy. Context of white supremacy. Uh, Again, our guest, uh, Dr. Kamal Kambon. I want to give out the number again, folks, uh, if you want to call in, if you have questions. Uh, the number to dial is 760-569-7676. Code is 564-943-POUNDS. Uh, one question I did want to ask, uh, this is from your book, uh, The Last Black Man Standing. Um, This is on page 37. Uh, You write, what really kept my people from listening to me and thus surviving was not my chiding, but their own refusal to want to learn. Consensus ignorance, their lack of reading relevant materials, and their own cemented hard feelings toward me and toward one another. At the core of it, we perished in part because of our inability to forgive each other. And you have uh, the last uh, phrase of that sentence, forgive each other. You have that in all caps. And then you have uh, a short paragraph by Kenneth Cloak uh, talking about forgiveness. Um, can you kind of share that concept of black people not being able to forgive, forgive one another and why that's important to black liberation? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, it's a, a parallel or dual response to that, that there are some instances where forgiveness, you know, people make mistakes, and when it is not, When we have problems with each other and it's legitimate, you know, legitimate meaning, okay, we have a difference and we sit down and we try to resolve it. That's what I said earlier. Um, we can get that together and give one another, okay, that, that's cool, all right, I understand. But then there are some 
behaviors that are, to me, unforgivable. Being a liar, a straight-up liar, being deceitful, and that is something that I think is very hard to forgive when people are deceitful at that level. And I I need to kind of think a little bit more about that. It's been a while since I wrote that. But I think that forgiveness has its place, that we have to try to resolve and iron out whatever differences that we have. And then even in cases where people were deceitful but not malicious, There's room for forgiveness there. But to be deceitful in a malicious way, to really bring harm to someone, now that's a different story. And um, I may give you an example of that later on. So, But I think we have to think about that, this idea of forgiving each other and being kind of easy on one another. As I said earlier, we're we're sick people. We're fragile. We're emotionally, in many cases, unstable. And I'm glad I mentioned that because I think the last time we talked about Dr. Amont, A-M-M-O-N-D-T, and her research saying that uh, black people don't intellectually and emotionally mature until they're around age 25. And in terms of being able to fully understand and fully comprehend what is going on. And even I think even that is rather early in terms of development because, yes, we have the ability at that age now to begin to understand right from wrong and reason, but in order to do that, we also need to have a background of information to draw on so that we can make good decisions. And I was talking to a brother one night. Uh, I met him months ago, and he was going to write this book. I mentioned this last time. And I said, oh, yeah, I remember you, and I gave you some information. I remember the information I gave. I said, and I want you to check out this book. He said, oh, no, I don't want, not that. Said, hey, man, and I met another brother one time. And I said, hey, there's, there's a book out. Oh, I don't want to hear it. Hey, okay, go ahead. So um, so we can't forgive, and in some cases we can't. Sometimes we just got to let it roll the way it is. Does, I hope, does that answer your question fully? Uh, yes, sir. It was, uh, it was surprising because I, I just I hear so often under these conditions, uh, and I, I think that's actually in destruction of black civilization, where Chancellor Williams talks about how black people will feud with one another uh, for eons, or we don't even remember what the feud, you know, what the genesis right. of the conflict is, uh, but the white dominators can come in and we'll make up with them, and they, you know, have been scientifically engaged in warfare with us forever, and we will mm-hmm. catch up and we want to make up with them immediately. Um, right. I just thought that was <laughs> real important to get that out. Mm-hmm. Um, wow, okay. I do see some folks uh, with hands up. I'll uh, get a few questions and then get some of Justice's other questions as well. 
Um, the person who called in from New York, uh, I'll get your hand. If you're on the talk sheet line and you have a question for Dr. Kanban, just press star eight. If you have a question, if you're on the free HD line, which is the 760 area code, uh, press star six if you have a question, star six. Uh, person who called in from New York, if you have a question for Dr. Kanban, your line should be open. Good evening, Dr. Kanban. Thanks for taking the call and being on the show. Um, yeah. I have a question. Um, I'm a father. Of, my wife and I just had a newborn four days ago, and we had natural birth at home. And, of course, we're uh, experiencing a great deal of uh, adversity from family members who insisted that we go to the hospital, which we didn't. Had a midwife, natural birth, um, because we don't want our daughter to be um, subjected to all of those needles in the hospital. And just moving forward, we're not going to do the immunization and so forth. And I wanted to know if you had some um, informational resources on homeschooling, a homeschooling curriculum, things that we could uh, introduce our daughter to, you know, as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're in you're in New York. What part of New York are you in? I'm in Brooklyn. You're in Brooklyn. Oh yeah, I, uh, if you go to the uh, Kwanzaa celebration Monday night at Boys and Girls High, you could yeah, my see, sister's a vendor there. Okay, see uh, brother Segun S E G U N. He's in education. He can help you. Uh, see Mike Mike Cooper H O O P E R. And then if you go to Queens, you go to the Langston Hughes. Uh, I think it's called the Langston Hughes Cultural Library. Uh, Brother Sekou, S-E-K-O-U, Bako, B-A-K-O. He is a a wonderful resource. That's on, that's in Corona, Queens, on Northern Boulevard. Okay. uh, It's a library, but within the library is housed Langston Hughes Collection. And if you uh, tap in and touch base with him, uh, he can help you. And uh, if you can, you can call me if that doesn't work out. Uh, but it should. You can call me at nine one nine two five zero nine one one zero. Okay. All right. And Thank you. I appreciate I, it. And I, I'll give you when you call me. I'll give you the name of a wonderful naturopath or herbalist doctor who can really give you some great advice about. About what you're doing. Okay. In terms of Thank you. I appreciate it. Okay. All right, bro. And I should All add, right, call you. call me between uh, after, between two and five p.m. Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday. Okay. Thank you. Uh, oh, that's Eastern time. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Congratulations, caller in New York. Um, yeah, beautiful. Out, outstanding. Natural childbirth. Got to uh, salute that one for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I will uh, double check, uh, and I'll also keep an eye out to see if other folks have questions that they want to ask. Uh, Justice, if you have some other questions for Dr. Cambon, your line should be open as well. Uh, can I be heard? I think I yep. might have. Okay. Okay. Um, what are some ways of how of how non-white people can find the truth about Christmas? 
Uh, I, I mentioned the books that they can get uh, by Dr. Barashango, B-A-R-A-S-H-A-N-G-O, uh, Aishaka Musa Barashango, and his book is African People and European Holidays, A Mental Genocide, Volume 1 and Volume 2. And then the books by Dr. Jack Felder, F-E-L-D-E-R. And you can find, he's a retired biochemist. You can find him on 125th Street across from the Apollo. Uh, He may still have his books in print. You can touch base with him to try to pick up on his books. His books are very good. He also has uh, two books out, um, well, three other books entitled Who Really Killed Malcolm X, another one entitled Who Really Killed Martin Luther King, and the other book is the Statue of Liberty book. The original Statue of Liberty was black. He's really very, very good, and that's the brother you probably want to get on your program as well, Dr. Jack Felder, F-E-L-D-E-R. Uh, in your experience, um, what are some of the best uh, vegetables and fruits to grow and some of the best vegetables and fruits to eat? Oh, okay. Um, now, you want to probably go with one of the experts in that area, but I, I, I would just recommend the greens are very good. The kale, the kale and broccoli are very good. Juicing is good. Uh, some people have, take exception to that, but if you get Dr. Walker's book, I think it's Norman Walker, the Raw Vegetable Juice book is is a good book. There are some more recent books on juicing and the value of juicing and a wheatgrass. And uh, some people say uh, sprouts are good, but then others say don't eat sprouts, especially store-bought sprouts because they are contaminated. So there's... There's a lot of information out there already, so I won't I won't say that I'm an expert on it. I've done a lot of reading on it, and I know what we try to do. And you also have to think about the environment that you're in. There's some things. Uh, I remember reading a book by Hilton Hotima, Man's Higher Consciousness. And I read that, but I had to put that book down. He was talking about being a breatharian, just living off of pure air. I went to a brother who had really been into it. I was just getting into changing my diet. And he told me, he said, well, I told him, man, I want to be a breatharian. He said, listen, you can't be a breatharian in, you know, in the city. You have to do so-and-so and so-and-so. So I think, but the main point is to change the diet. They say now try to eat organic if you can. You know, if you have the money, try to eat organic. Uh, try to reduce the intake of poison in your system you know, with all of the uh, various chemicals. There's a very good little book. I think it's called the Consumer Dictionary, it's, uh, and it describes all of the different chemicals, and they'll have at the end of a description. They might have sorbitol or But they have sorbitol, and they'll give you a description of it, and then they'll say uh, generally regarded as safe or not regarded as safe, and they'll give you a full description. So if you can find that little dictionary, it's very good. 
There's a good book by Sister Suzar, S-U-Z-A-R. Her book is uh, Drugs Masquerading as Food. That would be a good book to have. Another good book is Alkalize or Die. Talks about alkalinity in the system. So I think the big thing is keeping your system clean. Try to eliminate all the time. Uh, Bernard Jensen has a book out, uh, Bowel Care, B-O-W-E-L, Bowel Care. And he talks about the importance of this channel of elimination. So don't eat foods that clog you up. Also, the research says, I saw a brother uh, just the other day, and he says he lifts weights. I said, okay, well, you also have to do your cardio. You know, that deep breathing is very, very important. Ex- the the science says exercise at least three times a day, 45 minutes of vigorous exercise means you sweat. There's a book out entitled Dress to Kill. The author is a husband and wife, singer, S-I-N-G-E-R. And in that book, Dress to Kill, they talk about the the link between bras and breast cancer. And they say that part of the reason for the pandemic in breast cancer is that women wear bras that restrict the lymph channels and prevent and all those toxins build up around the breast area. And there's a lot of information out and you just tap into it. And then people have to decide and but I think the best thing is to try to be uh, as natural as possible with hair care products, lotions. Try to be as natural as possible. And talk about natural, natural hair is the best hair. There's a wonderful, wonderful chapter or section in a book entitled, I think it's the history of the Songhai people, S-O-N-G-H-A-I. Oh, is it by Robinson, I believe. And he has a wonderful section on hair, H-A-I-R. I think, oh, it's called Journey of the Songhai People, and a beautiful section on hair. It comes down to just trying to be as natural as possible. You know, watch what you put on your skin in terms of lotions, chemicals. Try to watch what you eat. Always try to have something green. Uh, there's a, a Joel Wallach, W-A-L-L-A-C-H, and his he has a book out entitled Let's Play Doctor. And he really underscores the importance of minerals in the system. If you go online, uh, they've changed it. They used to have a video of him. I think he has like a 7, 10 points part series entitled um, Dead Doctors Don't Lie. Dead Doctors Don't Lie by Dr. Joel Wallace, W-A-L-L-A-C-H. Keedy also does a lot with superfoods. That's uh, uh, livinginblack.com. So tap into the work that Keedy is doing, Living in Black, and he does a lot on superfoods. There's somebody else, I can't think of his name, but he does He's introduced superfoods. Of course, Gary Null, uh, N-U-L-L on WBAI and Progressive Radio, he really brings hard, cold facts every day about health and nutrition. 
So these are just some of the things that I think that we should be moving to and then try to eat less. And since this place is unraveling, the key is to try to do with less. Try to use less electricity. Try to eat less. Everything is less, less. You know, downsize. I always talk about downsize. Like go to the thrift stores. Get your things from thrift stores. Don't buy a lot of whitey clothes, expensive clothes. People kill themselves over Jordans, $180. So, look, it doesn't make sense to keep going over the same stuff over and over again with the people. Either they want to do it or they don't want to do it. If they don't want to do it, just let them go. Let them ride. Let them slide to where they're going to go. They'll find out whether it's the truth or not. So those are some of the things. And then, of course, Laila Africa has his book, African Holistic Health, which is an excellent book, the third edition. And one of the best books in the country is Prescription for Nutritional Healing. Prescription for Nutritional Healing by Balsh, B-A-L-C-H, I believe is how they spell their name. Thick book, and I think they're up to the fifth edition. Very, very comprehensive book. And then Deepak Chopra has a book out. I don't know if it's still out. It's like a huge dictionary. If you type his name in the book, I think the information should come up. And then Brother Scott Whitaker has his book out, Medicine, M E D I S I N, excellent book. And then there's the book, The Medical Mafia. Then Harriet Washington's book. Medical apartheid. So there's a lot of information on food, health, and nutrition. And your number one concern should be your health. Because without your health, nothing else matters. You don't have your health, you go forget about it. You don't want to get in the hospital with the white dominators. Okay, I hope that answers your question. It does, and uh, actually that helped uh, me a lot. <laughs> um well, uh, yeah, and um, I do not have any more questions for you at this time, and uh, thank you very much okay. uh, for All coming right. on the program. And Yeah. Thank you. Jesse, uh, you can go ahead. Context of white supremacy, um, folks have questions. If you're on the free HD line, I see other people dialed in. If you're on the, uh, the 760 area code, if you dial that number, 760 Five six nine seven six seven six, and the code is five six four nine four three pound. Uh, if you dial that line, uh, just press star six if you have a question. Star six. Um, for folks, if you're on the talk shoe line, if you have questions, it's star eight. Um, I wanted to get you to uh, explain the concept. I read it in the passage from uh, The Last Black Man Standing, uh, Consensus Ignorance. Uh, You said black people are suffering from that. What do you mean when you say consensus ignorance? Uh, There's probably dealing also with this pressure for us to to conform. See, the white dominators want us in order. They want us in their order. And when we step out of their order, it means that we are thinking for ourselves, that we are examining. It goes back to what I said earlier. I did, I 
question things. Some things I let slide, but for the most part, you know, I, and reflection is very important. You know, you got to think about things. Okay, uh, like I reflect on every day at night. I go, I say, okay, I did this today. I saw so-and-so. I said this. Man, I could have said that. Like I reflect on this. Oh, man, I forgot to say this. Oh, man, I could have said that. So I'm not pretending that I have all the knowledge, but it comes down to this. I do not like the way things are. I am dissatisfied with the way things are. Now, for my personal life, I could say, okay, well, I'm almost kind of cool. But there's a there's an expression, my son pointed out, S-U-N pointed out that, um, and you'll see this uh, in the film, Quiet Storm, where the character says, when you do for yourself, you go no further than yourself. But when you do for the race, that is eternal. And when you do for the race, when you die, you live. Like Ida B. Wells, she died, but she lived. David Walker, he died, but he lived. So the white dominators want us in their order. When I talked about we are currency, and we they want us to always charge it, meaning they want us to give them our currency, our energy, our comedic chemical energy, and that's what they feed off of, and I know I told you the story about the young brother that came into the store, and he said that when the police came to his his place and they looked at all the books he had, they just backed out, they left, then they stopped him uh, a short time after, and he yelled at him because he knows them. You know, why are you stopping me? You see those guys over there selling, slinging rock, but you stopping me? I said, I told him, I said, oh, that's, don't you understand? They stopped you because they said, you're thinking. If you're thinking, you might be the one. Remember in the movie They Live with the alien, or the guy's coming in the store, he's blasting everybody, and... The alien looks at the watch and says, I got one that can see, and then disappears. So when you are, you just agree with everybody, you go along with everybody because everybody is doing it. This is one of the, this is one of the uh, propaganda techniques, bandwagon. Everybody does it. Everybody agrees to it. So it's consensus ignorance because everybody's doing or it's somebody that you, uh, are impressed with is doing something, or because of our own inferiority, we get up, we get in the program. Our own sense of, oh, I don't feel this great, so I'm going to join them. There is, um, so this is this this consensus. It's really consensus death. We all agree that we're going to get down with this. That is going nowhere. We've been doing it forever. It hasn't produced liberation but yet we keep doing it, and the white dominators, they love that. 
We're on this treadmill. It makes us feel good. I think we need to, we really, I think, need to stop. We really need to reflect. So it's best to be out of order, out of the consensus order, and just step away, step back, take a look at it. What are we doing? Where is this going? What is the end game? What's going to be the result of this? So Malcolm said, for example, I don't care what your gospel is, whether it's an economic gospel, a political gospel, a social gospel, a religious gospel. He says if it doesn't do anything for you here and now, to hell with that gospel. So the white dominators, they put this, all this madness in front of us, and then our friends and relatives pressure us into complying with death. That's all they're about, and everything that we get involved with is death. So if you see our people, a vast majority of our people in these places, you know that it's death. If you see us in, in huge numbers, in churches, in schools, in prisons, in hospitals, in malls, in sports arenas, in concert halls, those play, that's death. It's just death, and that's and the white dominators are happy with us being in death. There's an old record entitled Light My Fire by Jose Feliciano. Go back and listen to it. He got a little sentence in here. I, I think people are doing the wobble now, I heard. And he says, oh, don't wallow in the mire. That's why I call them the cesspoolians. They're trying to drag us into the mire, drag us down, be degenerate, call each other niggers. Just be degenerate. Have no moral character. Just be with them. Follow them. Be like Elliot Spitzer. Right? He's the big lawman, but he's down with the prostitutes in D.C. John Edwards, running for vice president. Wife got cancer. He's having an affair and produces this little baby. Or Sanders in South Carolina, governor of South Carolina, flying back and forth to Argentina, got a mistress. Schwarzenegger, right, having having sex in his own house, produced this baby. So that's what they want. They want us in their order. So in some instances, it's good to be out of their order in order to maintain some integrity and some sanity. And we just have to build ourselves. I talk about our different selves. We've got to build ourselves up so we don't need any external things. I had a friend years and years ago. He said, oh, man, I'm Muslim. I said, yeah, why are you Muslim? I didn't know much about it. He said, I'm Muslim. I, gotta, I pray five times a day. He said, I got to pray five times a day, man, so I stay out of trouble. So he was saying to me that his internal self, selves were very, very weak. So we have to have discipline. If you, I sent you that tape, brother, and uh, Dan, uh, Arsenio Hall interviewed Dan Rather, and 
Dan Rather was talking about Nelson Mandela at the time Mandela got out of prison. He said one of, Dan Rather said one of the things I love about Mandela is that he has supreme self discipline. Self discipline. So if we're going to exercise anything, just exercise. Try to exercise self discipline. Don't go along with the crowd. Yeah, there's a little poster I used to have, a real cute poster with all these little yellow chicks in a field. And the poster read, following the crowd can lead nowhere. And then I also mentioned the last time about the Japanese man when the tsunami came and when he got in his car and he realized he was almost like the last in line and everybody went to the left. And he went to the right, and all of those people died. So he's being interviewed. He's coming back to his house. He's going through the rubble, and he conveys his story. So a lot of times, just try not to follow. Just have the courage, man, to stay up, stand up and say, look, man, I don't agree with this. And then you can bring your own research, bring your scholarship, bring your books. And everywhere I go, I take books, posters. But I'm not trying to convince anybody. I am, but I'm not. So I'm at the point, hey, you go with it or you don't go with it. It's up to you. But don't try to shove nonsense down down me. So I haven't turned the radio on November 27th. I think it was that Friday. I, haven't tur- I don't turn the radio on because they're not shoving Christmas songs down my throat every day. The black stations, it's like clockwork. Okay, boom, it's time. Christmas carols. Man, get out of here with that stuff, man. You're not running that stuff on me. Run that on somebody that don't read. So in this case, it's good to be out of order. But most of our people are out of order, but out of order in the wrong way. So you heard my expression, white people do everything right, exactly wrong. And then black people do everything wrong exactly right. In other words, white people make everything that's relevant irrelevant, like justice, honesty, democracy, fair play. They make all that irrelevant. And then we take things that are irrelevant and make them relevant. And that's why we're in the shape we're in. In my book, the last book, I got a piece in there. It's entitled At, A-T. And I said that we're at where we're at because you at where you at. And uh, as long as we stay at where we're at emotionally and mentally, they these whiteys will wax us. Our team will lose. And I can't emphasize this enough. We need to get off of the stuff that we're doing. It's not going anywhere. It's not doing anything because it doesn't relate to liberation from under white terror domination. Context of white supremacy. Um, Always a pleasure to have with us uh, Dr. Kamal Kambon. Again, visit his website. KamalCambon.org, KamalCambon.org, 
Uh, I see the person that called in. I believe this person is calling in on a Skype line. I think it's LBM is what it's showing up. A uh, person who called in with a hand up on the 3HD line. Did you have a question for Dr. Kambon? Your line should be open. Yes, Gus, please. Can you hear me? Yes, ma'am, loud and clear. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Um, first, I would like to um, c- congratulate my fellow uh, New York caller on the birth of his uh, baby and the you know, fact that he actually found a black woman that he could work with and, and engage in the struggle with. I think that's a beautiful thing. Um, I want to ask uh, Dr. Cambon, um, um, I myself am coming up on uh, 20 years with my black man, and um, I wanted to ask Dr. Cambon, how did you and your wife avoid the programming that you were each other's problem? Oh, that's a fascinating question. I don't know where to begin, but I think that we started first. We first we were interested in the survival of the race. We had that in common, and then we then we started. uh, We evolved into an understanding, and I think each of us brought the understanding that there's a war going on against us. And at that time, she and I had been together 37, I think 37 years, and we have evolved. We we grow. We get information. We try to absorb the information and act on the information. Uh, we, don't, we don't argue. We just, we don't argue. So I don't know if I can really answer that question without... Uh, without getting too personal, but uh, we, tr- we try to work together, and uh, we don't have many differences, and uh, basically that. And she and I actually are trying to put together a program where we invite couples to our home for a weekend, and we sit down and we go through all of these different uh, areas, psychological, cultural, economic, internal, external, and show people what we are we are doing and what we have done, and in order to help families and couples solidify their relationship. The other thing is that we realize that we do have different selves, and we always try to keep these selves in order. And we try to get each self to coordinate with the other person's self as much as we can. I hope that that in part answers the question. LBM, did that that, uh, answer your question? Yes, 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 it did. Yes, I'm sorry. In, in other um, words, yes, sister, yeah. Look, in other words, sister, we are, we are all are different. We all have uh, different dimensions and ideologies that we bring into a relationship. And as long as we can try to work together and work these things out, we are we are good. And. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, sometimes, sometimes people have attitudes. They get attitudes with each other. But that's the time to kind of reflect and be cool, you know, kind of talk about it if you can. But, you know, brothers, for the most part that I know of, don't say very much. They don't talk. And, but we got to figure out how we got to set up a system to work these any differences out. But just try to work together and try to stay together, as you know, sure. when you can. Sure. What What are your thoughts on the the propaganda that's that's out here that's telling um, you know, black men that you know black women are a problem for them, and and telling black females that white men are a solution for them. That the propaganda is saying that black that black women are the problem. Is that what you say? For saying? black men. Listen, as long as we are living in the context of white domination, we're all going to have problems, mm-hmm. and we have to understand that that we have to figure out how we can living in this cesspool still work together yes. and understand that these are instruments of war to separate us educationally and economically. Uh, but we all have to, I'm saying we all have to downsize. We can't love the system and love to buy stuff. This is for the brothers mm-hmm. as well as for the sisters. You know, brothers riding. I saw a brother with the rims and all that madness. You can't take your money and invest back in the white dominators. Whether it's a, a brother or a sister, don't invest in the white people. But they program us. We gotta love this. We gotta have this. I'm saying, at this stage, we got we have to drop all of that. We have to drop it. And if we want to be in that, it's gonna be a problem. If we love white stuff, it's gonna be a problem. We can take the money that we get and try to use it against them. So those who are working, those who are working, those who have an income, use that money wisely. Don't waste it. And then do your best to try to work together. Thank you. Thank thank you, Gus. Sure, good to hear from you, LBM. Um, uh, Brother Gus, I have a, 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 I think this is an email for information on Dr. Ben. I think it's a, a L-I-V-E-I-N-V, I think it's two separate words, L-I-V-E-I-N-V at gmail.com for information on the celebration for Dr. Ben. Yosef Ben Yakinan. I think he'll be 93, December 31st. Dr. Clark's birthday is the next day. And to show you about the concepts and how concepts, the white dominators have implanted concepts in us. If I say the Twin Towers, what comes to mind? What do we visualize? The Twin Towers. Most people, I think, would admit, admittedly say they think about the World Trade Center. But when I think, I've conditioned myself to think of the Twin Towers, 
that would be Dr. Ben and Dr. Clark, or uh, Dr. Chayanta Diop and Dr. Chancellor Williams, or Ida B. Wells and Sojourner Truth, see, uh, David Walker, Maria Stewart. So we have to reorient our thinking in terms of the concepts, and we have our own Twin Towers, and our Twin Towers are more monumental than any physical structure the white dominators could put up. Could not agree more. Um, wow. <laughs> um, man, I want to get someone emailed a question in, but um, if I just wanted to request if you could give the email out one more time, uh, if anyone listening oh, in so Dr. Ben, it, look, it looks like it's a, a L-I-V-E I-N-V at gmail.com. That Dr. Ben, man, that brother is a real soldier. And, you know, we have, I talk about on the paradigm about we get uh, feedback and messages. And Dr. Clark, man, he had thousands and thousands of books. Somebody was saying, man, when they went to his place, he had books under the bed, and he had a photographic memory. So he comes to us and he says to us, drop religion. And he breaks down the whole thing about uh, Islam. Dr. Ben breaks down the information about Christianity. They tell you, Walter Williams has his book, The Historical Origin of Christianity. John Jackson has his book, The Pagan Origin of the Christ Myth. Here's the book by Kersey Graves, The Sixteen Crucified Saviors Before Christ. Um, there are other books dealing with this. And the people came and they told us to drop a lot of this stuff. Amos Wilson told us, drop spending your money with the white diamonds. He came and told us. People are sent to us. Messengers are sent to us. Elijah Muhammad came and said, how to eat to live instead of eating to die. The people came to us to tell us about these things, to put us on the path of what I call the green zone instead of being in the death zone. And we say, well, I don't want to hear it. Don't want to hear it. So we'll see. We'll see the result then. You'll be the first to know the result. You'll be the first to know whether it's the truth or not. So I said the last time, brother, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. So we are not free. That means what we are doing is not the truth. Now, some of what we're doing might be a step toward the truth, which will set us free. But right now, as I see it, the Urban League is getting ready to celebrate 110 years, I think. They do a great job. If you all want to really get an overview of this, they, they produce called the State of the Race each year. You read the State of the Race. But I'm saying, man, we've been around and we keep doing these things over and over and over again. And they don't produce, what do you say, justice 
and I break those that word into two. J U just ice. That's what the white people do. They just ice us. And so I'm saying what we need to do is add a D to the end of it. Just iced them. So it's just ice, but it's right now it's in the wrong direction. They are waxing us. Context of white supremacy. I was, that's what I was thinking. That's exactly what I had in mind when you were talking about the uh, the Urban League and producing the State of the Race report. I was like, uh, <laughs> we don't even need any more of them. Every year, you already know what that report should be for black people getting waxed still. <laughs> that's the report. Um, it was a uh, it was a person in the chat room. They uh, they their question was, uh, Dr. Cambon, what is your suggestion on ways of dealing with uh, other black people on a daily basis who are confused uh, about the environment in which we live being dominated by white terrorism? Like, do you have suggestions on how to have more constructive interactions with uh, confused victims? Uh, the best thing is not to say too much to them. And if you're in a workplace, personally, don't have any of your personal information on your, don't have pictures of your family on your computer or or on your desk or wherever you work. Don't talk to, don't talk to confused, uh, to confused people about political or religious issues. And I went to work out the other day, one of the, one of the white dominators came in. I see them all the time. He comes in. This is a black Y. But they come in because they know the price is low. I guess they don't pay as much. So he comes in. So I have a rule. I'd never speak to a white dominator first. I don't speak at all, actually. So he comes in, and if they say anything to me, I say to them exactly what they say to me. How you doing? I say, how you doing? Good morning. I say, good morning. Now, I speak to older white dominators because I have a piece in my book that anytime you see an old whitey, white man or white woman, the only way they got old is by oppressing African people. Well, if they didn't oppress African people directly, then they were associated with somebody who oppressed African people. That's how they got to be old and retired. So when you're in the workplace, try not to have a lot of conversations really with anybody. It's like, you remember the movie uh, you saw Night John when the brother's on the ground and he said, Joe, this is B, Joe. And Joe go against the white dominator. So assume in your workplace you got a lot of Joes and they'll go and they'll get the white dominator. So don't, I'm saying, don't get into personal discussions with anybody about anything. I had a brother here. He was working with the telephone company, and he got into a discussion before President Obama got elected. He got in a discussion with a white dominator. That was on a Friday, and he was off that uh, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and I think he came back Tuesday. So he called me. He said, man, I came back. And somebody broke into my truck, and he had a bottle of liquid in his truck. 
you know, uh, some water. And he said he started drinking. He looked at it, and it, it was discolored. It had this, this funny color in it. And he realized that somebody came in and put something in his, in his drink. So don't leave food around. Never, ever drink anything. Don't let anybody bring a drink to you in a cup. If they bring water to you, make sure it's in a bottle that you that's not open. These are all these are rules that that you don't have to have, but these are rules that I follow. Keep your discussion with everybody to a minimum, unless there are people you you think you really really know, and you don't have those kind of discussions on a job anyway. And if you're on a job working with confused Negroes or white dominators. You document everything. Oh, we met today, and you go back and you write, we met today, you said this, I said that, you said you're going to do this, I'm going to do that, boom. You put CC to the files. You always cover yourself because you never know what is going to happen. You know, people will, we had this discussion yesterday, brother, they'll sell you out, they'll backstab you. So you just be covered and you always just be straight up. Because you don't know what agenda anybody has when they come to you. Don't, and, other, and, don't, and don't bring any of your books to your job. Don't bring any of your books to your job. Just come, you do your job, you leave. Don't be unfriendly, but do your job and leave. just talking about that uh, with a, uh, a black female, uh, and she was saying she had some black uh, figurines on her desk, and it attracted so much attention from her white dominators on the job. They would come by and make little snide remarks and uh, all this sort of thing, and I was saying, yeah, I would not have anything uh, on my work area. I wouldn't even have pictures up because uh, I don't want no. white people looking at my family and people that are close to me. Do your job and go home. That's a rule, man. That's a rule. You're in war. Codified. Um, let's see. I, uh, I wanted to make sure I asked because you said uh, to remind you, um, you said uh, the gunfighter, uh, to remind you about that, the gunfighter. Oh. Right, right, right. I got a little piece in, in one of my books about this gunfighter. And the story goes is that this is a young a cowboy, and he's looking for the old gun gunfighter. And he goes into town, and somebody tells him, well, you can find the old gunfighter out, at the, uh, out on the range. So he goes out to the range. And sure enough, as he comes over the ridge, he comes down, he sees the old gunfighter off in the distance sitting by the tree. So he he rides up on the gunfighter. Gunfighter jumps up, pulls his gun, and the young guy says, oh, no, 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 I just want to talk with you. So the young guy unbuckles his, his gun belt, drops it to the ground, puts his hands up. The old gunfighter says, the old gunslinger says, okay, come on. And the young guy says, look, I heard so much about you. And your your reputation, you never lost a gunfight after all these years. 
And he said, I want to be a gunfighter. Can you tell me your secret? Can you share it with me? The old gunfighter smiled. He said, okay, yeah, let me tell you. He said, when I'm called out by another gunfighter and we're standing in the middle of the dusty street and the tumbleweed is rolling, he said, I watch the gunfighter. I watch him intently because he said, what I learned over the years is that any time the gunfighter is getting ready to draw, he always makes some kind of movement. He might pucker his lips, his eyebrows might go up, his his uh, left finger might move, but he makes some kind of move, and I'm looking for that move. And when the gunfighter gets ready to make that move. When he makes that move, I know, and I'm ahead of him. He said, but now, okay, let's take that scenario, and you have somebody like, uh, let's see, Spike Lee, and he's there, you the gunfighter, he's there on your right side sitting in a chair, and you're looking at this guy, and Spike Lee is saying, well, don't we need our own schools? Don't we have to have our own stores? Don't we have to have black dolls? Shouldn't I have children have black dolls? Shouldn't we have black teachers? And he's running down this whole list of things. Don't we need this? Don't we need to be in? Don't we have to have civilian review boards to pol- to review the police activities? And he's running down all these list of things. Now, as a gunfighter. You cannot be distracted with these other issues, and I'm not saying those issues that he's conveying are not important. All of these issues are important, but the main issue is focus on your enemy because if you don't get by this enemy, all of those other issues become irrelevant. So the gunfighter, as a gunfighter, you have to look for the move that the that the gunfighter opposing you is getting ready to make. Because if you miss his motion, it's over for you. So this is the story. Always think of yourself as the gunfighter. People come to me. The brother came to me, and he said, well, what about Ebonics? Man, I'm not talking to you about Ebonics. I'm, I'm looking at the I'm looking at the white dominator. So some people say, "Oh, don't pay any attention to them. We got to focus on what we're doing." Well, I remember a team went out on the court one time, and they were getting ready to face an opponent, uh, an opponent they weren't familiar with, and the opponent was Shaq in his prime. So you mean to tell me you're going to put a team out there and you're not going to look at the opponent at all? Kwame Torre gives a great lecture I recommend to everybody. It's entitled, The Student's Role in Revolution. The Student's Role in Revolution. And in his 
lecture. You know, Kwame Torrey is super brilliant, brother. He makes this statement. He says, you, talking to the people there, talking to the black people, he said, you can make no analysis about black people without looking at white people. So people say, oh, don't worry about them. We just do what we do. Yeah. You ever hear this thing called Rison, R-I-S-O-N? No, sir, I haven't. Okay. Uh, okay, so that's homework for everybody. But I tell you right off the top, Rison is a, is a deadly poison. It's, it's virtually undetectable. If you don't know that somebody's trying to poison you, like the like I told you one time about the woman who's who was poisoning her husband with putting antifreeze in his Kool-Aid, and he was drinking this Kool-Aid and didn't know that he was slowly uh, being poisoned. So you have to, in my estimation, you have to watch everything. You can't say, well, I'm, we're just going to do what we're going to do, and you don't know what your opponent is doing. Every team on every level, just about high school, college, pro, they all send a scout out to look at the other team. Every team, they hire a person to go out to scout the other teams. And the scout comes back and says, oh, they tend to do this, they tend to do that. They do this. This is what we should do. This is how we adjust. We should do this. We should do that. But, yeah, we got our main offense, our main defense, but now we have to adjust. So with the gunfighter, you have to focus on the enemy to the extent that you can't look at the other things. So that's why you hear me say, let's take care of the main problem, and we'll deal with these problems on the other side of the solution. Yeah, these issues are important. Yeah, they are important. We got to deal with some of them, but don't lose sight of the white dominator. Now, this new this national defense uh, uh, bill, I, I didn't hear whether it passed or not, where the military can actually round up people, they can arrest them, and put them in jail indefinitely, call you a terrorist, et cetera. So we're not watching that. We're just going to do what we do? Come on, man. You can't do that. you got to know what's up. you got to listen to the programs, find out what's going on, because it might be a clue in there to something that can benefit you. So that's the gunfighter. And so if if that's incorrect, then somebody adjust it and tell me what, what the adjustment is. But you have to look at what the white dominators are doing. Wow. Wow. Outstanding metaphor, in my opinion. Um, I wanted to throw in the uh, ricin as a poison. Um, I uh, have seen it before, and I've seen it spelled Um, R-I-C-I-N as a a toxin. Uh, Spell it again, R-I-Z. R-I-C, C is in... Okay, I hadn't seen it. Okay, I hadn't seen it that way, but okay. I just there was an attack in uh, in the Georgia area where they got four uh, white males 
uh, it was in November around Thanksgiving where they got these white males who were planning a ricin attack in all these cities with high concentrations of black people um, where uh, they were going to go. I think one of them he had worked, I think he had had some uh, military history and mm-hmm. might have even worked with the CDC, but he had extensive knowledge about biological and chemical warfare. And these four white guys, they were going to go and do this attack in these four cities, and they all had high concentrations of black people, uh, and they were going to use ricin uh, in the attack. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how I found out about it, study, studying white people. That's how I found out about it. Oh, good, um, beautiful, beautiful. Um, I wanted to give make sure folks don't wait till last minute. We have a little less than 30 minutes in the program. Uh, if anybody that's on the line, I see other folks have called in. If you all have questions, if you're on the talk shoe line, it's star eight, star eight. If you're on the talk shoe line, if you are on the free HD line, which is the 760 area code, uh, it's star six if you have a question, star six. You also, uh, Dr. Kanban, you had a reminder where you wanted me to uh, remind you about uh, purposeful, being purposeful, purposeful life. Um, oh yeah, I meant to send you that. Yeah, I meant to send you that quote, and the quote is from a book by Julia Stewart. I think it's a book of sayings and proverbs, and she says that everyone. Uh, let me see that there are. Everyone should have a purpose, and that's the main thing, that everybody should have a purpose. And the second part of that is the main issue is not to have your purpose corrupted. So if you can fulfill your purpose, the other thing is not to corrupt your purpose or have it corrupted. And I maintain that coming to this planet, the only reason we are on the planet as a black African person, I cleared that up in terms of black and African being interchangeable. Chayanta Diop tells us that, the cultural unity of black Africa. The only reason I'm saying that we should be on the planet is to solve this problem. Now, we have to, we're forced to work and do these other things. But the paramount reason is to solve this problem, or at least give it consideration. How do we solve this problem once and for all? And that's where we talk about solutions. And people will say, well, that's impossible. This has been going on so long. And these cesspoolians, You can't defeat them. But I think that there are so many events that have unfolded over the years to show us that what was once impossible, it was impossible. Now it's possible. Flying an airplane, like we mentioned last time about something that was the neutrinos faster than the speed of light, so that abolished that whole theory about nothing was faster than the speed of light. There's something now that came out recently that said Einstein's theory of relativity is going to be just destroyed with this new theory. So things are always coming up, always coming up. And I say I see what the white dominators are doing, fingerprinting, retina scans, DNA, doing all this for what? There was a story that came out last week saying that there are 
drones surveilling the people in Los Angeles. For what? Because I know that they know that somebody's going to solve this problem. At least people are going to be thinking about it. And I say that if we're thinking about solving the problem, then we carry ourselves differently. Our mentality is different. Everything we do is different. And that in itself will make a difference. So I have an expression I used with this brother that was on crack. He used to come by, and we would help him out, give him jobs. And I asked him one day, I was pissed off at him. I said, Is the, does the difference you make make a difference? He kind of looked back. So about five years later, he got himself together, got off crack, got a job, and et cetera, got a car. He came back. He says, yeah, man. He said, I'm making a difference. He said, I'm working with building, uh, construction. I'm helping people get jobs. So I asked people this, does the difference you make make a difference? I just look, I'm not an expert. I just been doing this. I've been reading, collecting articles, reading books, and I'm trying to put this together. Like Bob Marley said, trying to get a message to you. The message is we're in deep trouble. I'm saying we are being exterminated. We just don't know what extermination looks like. We think it's that all the people are going to disappear. But it's a methodical scientific process. And we are being we can be exterminated statistically, neutralized and reduced to the point where we will not make any difference. And they're doing it economically, they're doing it educationally, they're doing it psychologically, they're doing it through the biological chemical warfare. They're doing all of these are different methods to reduce the population. So if let's say I'm absolutely wrong and you change your behavior, you strengthen your mentality, you strengthen your psychology, you drop the white cultural horror days, you change your diet, you stop spending money you know you don't have, you stop going to the jive concerts, you stop looking at garbage on TV. If you do all those things, you'll be a better person. P-E-R-S-U-N. So if I'm wrong, you really will not lose anything. You're not sacrificing anything. You're gaining. You're gaining yourself. And what the white dominators want to do, they want to destroy all your different selves. So let's say I'm wrong, but you do these things. Like they told you with Y2K, people were saving food and uh, storing up and doing this and doing that, and it was wrong. So, but they still had, they still had all the things they needed in the event. So that's all I'm saying. I got an expression. The expression is, "Are you smart enough to be smart?" And you, we have to admit, some of our people are not very smart. So you got to pick who you're going to talk with, who you're not going to talk with. Some people don't bother with. Some people you bring in. So I think, as I said in Duke Parents, the hope for our people rests with those between 28 and 34. 35, 36, 37, 38, 39 years old. They're in the gray area. There's, a, there's still hope for them. But a vast majority, over 40 years old, not all, but a vast majority, 
forget about them. They're under lockdown. The research I cited by Dr. Ahmed, A-A-M-O-N-D-T, said that we don't mature intellectually in terms of our ability to reason and think and be rational until we're 25. So I'm not writing the young, young brothers and sisters off, but a lot of them, they don't want to hear it. They're killing each other, and et cetera. So if they can get through the clan minds, K-L-A-N, the clan minds, get through all of that madness with sneakers and partying and getting high, subtle suicide activities, if they can get through that and get to 26, 27, 28, they got a shot. So I'm just asking people, look, think about what you're doing. How is it relevant to liberation? So let's look at the different cells with Nat Turner. I say we have all these different cells, S-E-L-V-E-L-L-S, and don't let things that are harmful to your cells enter your orbit. So let's look at Nat Turner, and let's say the highest point of each self is 100%. So what was Nat Turner's psychology? A relative, use the three words, relative, relevant, and relate. What was his psychology relative to liberation from under white domination? It was at 100%. Do you think Nat Turner was celebrating Christmas or the holidays? So what was his cultural aspect relative to black liberation? 100%. What was his economics? Well, he knew that he saw Africans enslaved working night and day for nothing and being brutalized. So he understood that. So his economics said, yo, we're not going to continue to deal with this. We're going to get out of this. So his economics was 100%. What was his education? Well, he understood. He stepped stepped back and he looked at the situation. He reflected on it, and he understood it. That means that his education level relative to black liberation from under white domination was at 100%. The full statement is black liberation gets us from under white domination. I always short that to say black liberation from white domination but it's black liberation gets us from under white terror domination. What was his health? His health was probably very low, given that he was eating or had was forced to eat, you know, stuff that was not good for him. So that was probably low. But his social self had to be 100% because he was able to articulate the need to get liberated from under white terror to all the other enslaved Africans, and they joined with him. What was his political self? You think that he was voting? Come on, man. His political self was black liberation, black liberation. So we start thinking black liberation, black liberation. Greet each other, black liberation. We want to get free. See, we want to get our liberation from under this madness. That's what we want. That's what we need. We need to get free. We can save ourselves. Dr. Clark has a book entitled, Can African People Save Themselves? The answer is yes, only through black liberation. And all those brothers and sisters who are jiving, just step to the side, put a sign over your head, I'm a jive 
Negro, let us know so we won't mess with you. We won't take up our time. If you love death, just go to death. If you want to just go to church, pray, eat garbage, whatever you want to party, get high, go ahead. We've got the information to tell you, drop that garbage. But if you don't want to drop it, go ahead and do it. Go and do it because we don't need you. We don't want you. You're an interference. You're you're interfering. You're messing up our team. You're going to make us lose. We don't want to lose. We know how to win. We know how to win. And what you all are doing, you're making us lose. And I don't like it. Wake up. We got the books. We got the lectures. We got the people that came here to tell us to drop this garbage. But we don't drop it. We keep doing the same stupid stuff. And I don't dig it. So, Brother Gus, There's ample information. I want to give you all some books before we close out. There's a book entitled uh, Tribalism, Mysticism, Primitivism, and the Rise of Genocide Against the African World. And that's by uh, a brother, really one of the best books I ever read. This is by a brother. His name is uh, Shakur. It's uh, Batu, B-A-T-U. A Shakur, S H A K A R I Shakuri. I never met the brother, but it's a wonderful, wonderful book, man. I recommend that book. There's a great book by this brother. I know I may have mentioned it before. Uh, this one I never mentioned: Reality Revolution by Ariel Robinson. Reality Revolution by Ariel Robinson. This other book is by Oh, The White Architects of Black Education. It's a very good book. But one of my best books, man, I, I like this brother. It's entitled African Struggle Inherited. African Struggle. This is about the prison system, man. It's really good. I know Michelle Anderson has her book, and that talks about the new Jim Crow. But this book is really, really good, man. This brother does a great job. His name is Kabir, K-H-A. B-Y-R, Kabir Hadass, H-A-D-A-S. The other book I don't have with me is called Suppressed Rebellion. Suppressed Rebellion. Uh, The brother's name is Malik Shabazz. It's not Malik Zula Shabazz, but Malik Shabazz, S-H-A-B-A-Z-Z. I think that book is still in print. You get that book, man. It's all the quotes and sayings by all of the illustrious ancestors, man, the imperial people, I call them, the ones that have been fighting against the white dominators. And then this is uh, Kabir's other book. It's entitled Black Power. Uh, Let's see, Black Power, uh, Destruction of White Supremacy uh, in the Land Called America. So it's Black Power. Of the destruction of white supremacy in the land called America by Kabir Hadass. And then here's another book entitled uh, 
putting it all together. And this book is entitled, is putting it all together, World Conquest, Global Genocide, and African Liberation. It's a very good book. It's by Terrence, T-E-R-R-A-N-C-E, Jackson. And, of course, there are other books, but you want to get these in your arsenal. And, of course, Who Needs the Negro, uh, Countdown to Black Genocide. Uh, there's a book entitled Future Fast Forward, uh, the, the Zionist Anglo-American Empire Meltdown. Oh, man, this is a powerful, powerful book. It's called Future Fast Forward. I think I heard this, this guy speak, and he had to go into hiding, man, after after he printed this book. Can't I don't remember the name of the guy, but you can check it out. Good book. We got all the information, man. And you know, I was thinking today, man. I don't think I'm gonna do any more discussions because I'm just like wasting my time. And we always gotta ask people, oh, send us a contribution. Send us a contribution. We got money for Whitey. You know, give them all kind of money. But you talk. But we gotta ask people for a contribution. What kind of mess is that? The 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 white guy that called, uh, that stood up and said, Obama, you lie. Within a week or so, man, the white people sent that guy a million dollars. So we had our bookstore. We had our bookstore. We got speak. We bring these all these great speakers in. Then we got to ask people, well, can you give us a contribution? My wife and I, we put the store together. We put our own money in it. We we bought the books. We brought the speakers in. We never took any money out of that bookstore. All the money we put back in. Then the people sold us out. I know Neely doesn't like that word, but I, you tell me another word and I'll use it. They sold us out, man. The lawyers. I want you all to go to uh, YouTube and see Steve Coakley on the Boule. B-O-U-L-E. He talks about the Boule. That's all of these. That's all these so-called brothers and sisters, the lawyers, the doctors, all these people who you don't uh, fraternity presidents. Fraternities, you don't hear a peep out of them. The cop was last week shot the brother in the back, two shots in the back. Two years ago, January 3rd, everybody celebrating New Year. The cop in New York kills this guy, executes this Hispanic guy, told him, drop the stick. Then later on, he files a report. Oh, he thought the guy had this huge weapon. It's a little like a little ruler in the guy's hand. Man, we got to stop this madness with these people. And these white people, this all this surveillance and all that, these white people are on welfare. They are just welfare recipients. They sent seven cop cars for one brother. That's welfare. The auto workers on welfare. The teachers, welfare. They're not doing anything. Well, they are doing their job. Their job is to destroy the children, black children, they're doing a the job, but they're on welfare. The journalists, they're on welfare. All of these people, the airlines, subsidized welfare. This whole system is a big scam. And if y'all keep going for this, you deserve what you get. It's a scam. The hospitals, the medicine, the education, the politics, it's a scam. Do you know what scam? S-C-A-M, a Ponzi scheme. And capitalism means 
to capitalize on the ignorance of the people. Wall Street, a scam. The banks, a scam. Insurance, a scam. As a matter of fact, I don't know if you can even write down something in the U.S. that's not a scam. So all you up-to-date, cosmopolitan, religious people, you are being scammed by the white terror dominators. And they measure how they're scamming you by all the movies. They just watch to see the movie sales. How many people going to the movies? Okay, the Negroes still go. What you going to see? Tyler Perry. Man, yo, let me tell you something. When we get our liberation, a whole lot of Negroes going to have a lot to answer for. I'm telling you that. Don't let me get in charge. Because all this garbage y'all are running now, uh, no, that's coming to a screeching halt. When we get on the other side of the solution, then we're going to look around and we're going to see what have you been doing to help us get free. That's That's the question. What are you doing and what have you done? What are you doing now? How many contributions have you sent to this station, to Harambe, to Kiti, to all of these people who are doing all of this work on your behalf while you sit around watching TV on your jumbo TV eating hot dogs and hamburgers and just being a jive Negro. You don't want to hear nothing. Can't nobody tell you nothing about Jesus Christ. You don't want to hear nothing. You're building these stupid churches, giving all your money to the white contractors, while your people die. You tell me something about these jive, pimp, Negro ministers. So I know if I was a young cat, 17, 18, or 19, yo, I'll tell you what's up with them ministers. I'll tell you how we deal with them. And I'll tell you how. So, hey, either you do it. We play ball. We choose up teams. See, we don't get no weak people on our teams, man. If we do, we try to conceal the the weak people. But we shoot to see who's going to take it out. We say, shoot, you do or die. In Bed-Stuy, that's the expression, do or die. You make it, that's the do. You miss it, that's the die. So you do or die, man. So that's where I'm coming from. I don't pretend to be a, a professor later for that professor stuff. I'm telling you straight up, I'm from the block, I've been on the block, I've been around the block, now I'm back on the block. Go and listen to Gary Bird's Back on the Block. I'm back on the block, I went to get their stupid education, I got their stupid education, but I got a real education. Now I'm coming back. They say, oh, go get your education and come back. So I went and I got the real deal. I peeped the white dominators. I peeped them. I'm one of the few brothers in the country came face to face with the reality of these white people. And I'm telling you, they are punks. They are ignorant. They got weapons and money. That does not make them elite. So stop dribbling over them. 
and we got the power. We got the power even without being healed. People that are strung out on drugs can come to a conclusion that, yo, this is not right. And that's what we're saying. This is not right. And we know the difference between right and what's wrong. And this whole thing worldwide with these white dominators is crap. And I, for one, do not like it. So don't bring no garbage to me about something that's not directly related here and now to black liberation gets us from under white domination. Now, I don't know what you want. I don't know what you are doing, but I know what I am doing. I unplugged as much as I can from these white people in their system. I try not to give them anything at all. If I got to buy clothes, I buy the cheapest clothes. I, nothing I want to give them. They don't have nothing I want. Nothing I want. And they force us to get their elect. They own and control the electricity and the water. They force us. It's extortion. The whole thing is nothing but a scam to extort and exploit. And all the governments all over the world are the same. The Chinese, the Koreans, the Arabs, the whiteies in Europe, they're all the same. All the governments are destroying the people. And I don't like it. All the people on the planet are suffering behind this crap with these people. Are you Negroes ever going to wake up? Well, like Dr. Deagle said, you don't wake up, you deserve what you get, man. I come, I tell you, I try to be nice, I show you the books, I got the posters, I got the news articles. You all don't want to you don't want to hear it. You don't want to change. Well, if you don't adapt, you don't change, then you die. That's the rule. You don't want to get with it? Okay, that's okay. But let us know, no. But don't come up in my face telling me that, oh, yeah, I'm really down with this. I'm really about that. You don't want to give up nothing. You don't want to help support us. And I said, all the people that's trying to help us, they all die. John Jackson was so disgusted with you black people. Renoko tells us, he's so disgusted with you all. I mean, he did all that work all these years, put his life on the line. You think you all would send him a contribution to help him? Or just do something that's positive. No. You're busy partying, eating turkey and garbage, man, destroying your children, not paying attention to your children. You don't want to deal with reality. That's what it is. You don't want to deal with reality. That's why you all are into all this stuff. Now the new thing is, oh, I'm going to be sovereign. What are you talking about, sovereign? There's no sovereignty on the planet Earth. If the white dominators go and get Nor- Manuel Noriega in Panama, they go and they kill Maurice Bishop, they bum-rush Saddam Hussein and kill, execute him, so they say. They go and they kill bin Laden, so they say. Or Julian Assange is fighting extradition to Sweden. It means it's an international prison. We're in prison, and I say, I don't like being in prison, man. I don't like, I didn't come to this planet to be a sucker. I didn't come here for that. So don't come and run no 
mess on me. Run it on somebody else. That is what I'm saying. And I hope that's explicitly clear. So I don't want to do any more programs, but Gus, I deeply appreciate you, man, for letting me talk tonight. And I I love the people. You can't tell, but I love the people. That's why my wife and I, we did what we did, man. We came, we tried to set this thing up, show an example. And not that we wanted to show an example, but we said, this is what we got to do. We got to try to get out of this system as much as we can. Then we opened, we had the temerity to open a bookstore in the black community. He said, why are you in the black community? Where else are we going to be? Bring information to you. Bring knowledge to you to help you live, to stay in the green zone, not stay in the death zone. Our people love death. Even this thing about our ancestors, we love, yeah, we, I honor them. I honor them. But we got to get out of this death thing. We just stay in ancient Kemet and all that. That's good, man. But it's not solving the problem. That's the point. It's not solving the problem. Show me the evidence. We got to show me the evidence that what we're doing, that what you are doing, that this activity is moving us solve this problem. Does this activity make the white dominators nervous? Or do they say, they look at it and they laugh? If it makes them nervous, then we're on the right track. So I tell, I ask people, support context of white supremacy. I have great admiration for this brother. I hope you don't get kicked off the air tonight. But I have great admiration for you and justice and for what you stand for and what you're trying to do as a as a young brother. And you just try to keep it up, man. Try to bring the people on to educate the people that there's a problem on planet Earth. It's our responsibility, responsibility to try to solve the problem while we're here. So when I pass, I hope that you could come. Well, see, I'm not going to have no tombstone or none of that madness. That's the whole mafia thing, and so I'm not going to be down with that. So, But you can put a plus sign. Not that I'm looking for it, but there are some people, you put a plus sign by their name. Hey, man, that, that brother, a chance to deal, man, put a plus sign there instead of that, that minus sign, that dash. Dr. Chancellor Williams, put a plus sign there, man. Drusilla Dungy Houston, put a plus sign by her. Paul Robinson, put a plus sign. Malcolm, George Jackson, Jonathan Jackson, Chairman Fred Hampton, put a plus sign. Geronimo Jijaga Pratt, put a plus sign. Robert Robert Williams, Negroes with Guns, hey, put a plus sign there. They're going to put a plus sign by your name, or they're going to put less than, the symbol for less than. All right, brother. Are there any other questions? Man, um, <laughs> I'm just thoroughly appreciative. Um, lots of folks listening in. Uh, we are at the uh, at the three hour mark, but uh, I just uh, just thoroughly appreciate you uh, sharing the information. As I said at the very beginning, always setting the example and giving us a live illustration of being serious about resolving this problem 
This is not a joking matter. This is not something to be half-hearted about. Uh, dedication, serious dedication yeah. to a yeah. final resolution to the problem. Uh, it's just been a yeah. uh, profound pleasure and honor to have you on the program. I've been taking notes. I hope people that are listening in have been taking notes as well. Uh, and visit the website, uh, KamalCambon.org, KamalCambon.org. Uh, you can get books. i uh, put the link in the chat room so you can visit abibitumikasa.com. Uh, uh, they have uh, e-book formats of many of his publications, abibitumikasa.com. Uh, just, man, thank you so much for yeah, sharing some and, of your Yeah, I, I knew I had something for, for uh, justice. There's a little book by uh, Michael Wynn. That's M-Y-C-H-A-L-W-Y-N-N. And it's entitled The Eagles Who Thought They Were Chickens. It's just a little short book, but it's really a very, very good book. And a book for the young brothers is The Amazing Adventures of Abiola, A-B-I-O-L-A, I believe it is. Now, there are two titles, two books with that title. One is by Pete Seeger. That's not the one. But this other one is by the little brother who um, is very, very beautifully illustrated. If you can get that book, those books. And then there's another one for young sisters entitled When I Look in the Mirror. Really a very, very good book. So there's a lot of great information. There was a ton of movies I was going to give you tonight and some other books, but we won't have a chance. But I did give you a list of books last time. Get the Protocols of the Learned Elders of Zion. Oh, this is a homework assignment. I want you all to find out the name of the head of the World Trade Organization, the head of the Monsanto, who's the president and CEO of Monsanto, who's the head of the Stock Exchange, who's the head of Goldman Sachs. And who is who is the head of the electric company where you live, the gas company? Find out the names of these people, man. So they occupy Wall Street. Those people from the stock exchange, they walk right by those people, and that people don't even recognize who they are. So start doing some homework. And, uh, you know, brother, I'm not able to work course at the university I wouldn't even want to work in the university they're not teaching anything that's for the most part that's relevant and helpful to liberation so um, of course we, we always need financial support and anything anybody can do to help us would be uh, deeply appreciated they can if they visit your website org. they can uh, support financially, they can support you there, correct? Yes, yes, I think so. Um, thank you, uh, Dr. Cambon, for uh, sharing that uh, those books and uh, uh, suggesting a book for me. Okay, great. I might want to, yeah, I might want to uh, um, check that out and read it. Okay. okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, interesting. I think you'll enjoy that. And for the sisters out there, I mentioned a book by Barashango, African um, African woman, the original guardian angel. And then there was a, I just had that book. It escaped me. Uh, 
Oh, Asada, the book, the biography of Asada Shakur. Excellent read. I've read that one. Excellent mm-hmm. read. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, and you've gotten the information I sent you, the uh, videos, DVDs. Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, I'm uh, continuing to watch um, the documentaries on the uh, the DVD with I- the Ida B. Wells documentary and, and the other material about how white people are, are trafficking the drugs in the community and all that. Yes, sir. I've been uh, watching okay. and enjoying thoroughly. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. And then people, some if they're serious, they can give me a call. I'm available at 919-250-9110, usually between 2 and 5 p.m. Eastern time. Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Now, since my little cash is low, if you leave a message, I may not be able to call you back until I can figure out how to get rid of the scam telephone. I call the telephone people. I say, yo, man, why don't you let me buy the equipment? Oh, no, no, we can't do that. Yeah, because it's a big scam. That's why. So, you all, you keep up the good work, man. You just keep rolling. You stay like I'm always on duty. I sleep this. I sleep black liberation. I, I, in my dreams, man, I be thinking about black liberation. I, as I said, that motivation for everybody who listens to the program uh, to remain focused and on duty at all times. That's right. Uh, to yeah. Final resolution to the problem. Outstanding illustration, uh, Dr. Kamal Kamban just want to thank you again. I encourage folks to support your efforts. Uh, visit the website, KamalCambon.org. Uh, I will definitely be in touch with you uh, after the program. I'll make sure you get a, a link uh, with the MP3 file for the program so you can check it out. And, uh, yeah, I, I will definitely be in touch to share my thoughts on the information that you mailed. And, uh, yeah, just thank you again. Cannot thank you enough for sharing your time and wisdom with us, sir. Context of Bye. Okay. Black liberation. Black liberation. Uh, context of white supremacy signing out. We'll be right back. 50 minutes. We'll be right back with our second program of the day. It will be uh, a chore to top this, but we will remain on duty, as Dr. Kanban says. Uh, Brother Dawa will be visiting us to uh, talk about some of the other schemes that white people are using. Uh, to uh, commit genocide, really, against black people. We'll be explaining that in detail uh, in 50 minutes. We'll be right back, 9 p.m. Eastern, uh, 6 p.m. Pacific, uh, Brother Dawa, context of white supremacy. Thank you again, Dr. Kamal Kanban. Always a pleasure. And uh, black liberation from under white terror domination as soon as possible. Uh, We'll play the sound clip again as we ride out. Thank you so much. Thank you, everybody, for listening in. And uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back in 50 minutes. Context of white supremacy signing out after the sound clip. Our people are very serious about not being very serious. Meanwhile, white people are very serious about playing hardball against us. And this hardball is called genocide. 